One podcast has crushed the horror landscape, leaving behind the silent audio waves of all of those who have came before. Introducing our hosts. This man needs no introduction, but needs seven takes to record his own. He is known for rating bad movies high and known for rating good movies high. Don't try to call him because he only phones it in. He is our host from the foreign land of Canada, Mood 616. This man is willing to die even on the smallest of hills. He argues to the point in which he disagrees with himself. A man who knows a remake when he sees one he is the mexican born super producer known as the humble one and the sexy one jp they are known for creating superstars out of their guests they are known for being the number one horror podcast on the horophilia network except for when they allow others to take a turn they are the devil's advocate of horror podcasting they are the 22 shots of moods and horror Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 86 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast is coming at you live. I am your host from the West Coast, Moods, and of course, I've always got the homie who hates kung fu movies by my side, Double Shot J, also known as JP. What's going on, homie? Formerly hates martial arts movies. I still think that you have a very distinct distaste for them. I do. I do, honestly. <laughs> and I try to explain to people why I don't like them, and it always comes off so cunty that I have to, like, it's better cunty. than I can explain it. Did you drop the word cunty 30 seconds into the show? I did, I did. <laughs> I like it. So good. my beef with martial arts films is that I'm, like, a big fan of actual martial arts, right? So yeah. when you're watching these films that so much emphasis is placed on the martial arts, it's like half the movie. And you can tell that things obviously don't work that way. You can tell that it's just – it just doesn't happen like that. Then yeah. it becomes a giant plot hole. Like the main point of the film is a plot hole. And I understand like suspend your disbelief and like Jason couldn't really you know, kill people with a bash in their head. Freddy's the not exactly getting into your nightmares or into your dreams. Yeah, and I understand that that stuff's fake but – the difference is, is Jason is in a reality in which this thing died and came back to life. So it's like part of the story that he's like almost undead. And, you know, horror films, usually the stuff that can't happen is part of the narrative anyway. Mm-hmm. When in martial arts films, they are the, like the part of the narrative isn't that like they're doing magic tricks. It's that they're really good at fighting. Yeah. So I, it's kind of like that. I'm sort of getting over it, though, honestly, mm-hmm. because I'm just trying really hard. I'm like, oh, who cares? Who cares if that, that it doesn't look? I think like it's just part of the fun because, of course, a lot of the shit that they're doing and fighting off like 400 It's, it's not even a time. lot. Though. It's like almost all of it. Like it's, it's <laughs> 90% of what they're doing is impractical. But then again, you know, if you made it all like super practical, man, it'd be pretty fucking boring. You'd have to admit, like, I, I don't think I'd want to watch two guys roll around on the, on the ground grappling each other for five minutes in the middle of a movie. <laughs> Not in the middle of a movie, definitely. But, yeah. I mean, it's just the, uh, I don't know. It, it's, just, it, it's just that. Oh, he almost got him in an arm bar. You know, it, but it's not even, <laughs> it's not just like the, the impractical things that they're doing. It's like certain, like, techniques are clearly actually not capable of doing anything like certain like moves it's just like well well that that can't happen because of physics 
Like, you know, like it, that's not leverage. Like you're grabbing the wrong spot. Like that's not going to do anything. It's stuff like that that annoys me. It's not necessarily the fact that they can do like a backflip front kick thing or something. You know, that's cool. Whatever. Like I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. But it's like actual like technical things that are wrong that annoy me. And, you know, that's that's always going to happen, I guess. But I did like American Ninja, which that's what Moods, Moods is re- referencing because I've started watching the American Ninja films. And I like the second that? one as well. Oh, you did like the second one? Oh, shit, man. Wait to you get to the third one. Why is it bad? <laughs> well, just production value, I think, goes down quite a bit from even those ones that are super low budget already. I mean, these <laughs> so. films are very cliche and just super basic. Like, there's really yeah. not much to them other than the actual fighting. So if you can't get yeah. past that, yeah. you're not going to have anything to enjoy. And one of the things that I actually do like is, like, some – like, like they're actually, like, killing people sometimes. Like, and normally, like, in martial arts films, like, they, they like – flip them over a bridge or something you don't see the actual like impact you know what i mean like you just it's suggested that they're dead but like you're seeing like spears going kind of like you're not really seeing it but like you could tell like they're actually killing people and i'm like <laughs> jesus christ well there's canon for you yeah right. canon pictures <laughs> i forgot i forgot that they did that these films until i see the logo come up and i'm like ah canon i just watched a documentary on you and it and, was awesome. and the person that was supposed to be the next biggest star was michael dudikoff <laughs> Was he? I don't know anything about him. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. He was a big star afterwards, or he wasn't? No, he never really. He he was supposed to be like the next big thing, and you know, in the like world, you know, type John of thing. Claude Van Damme or something. Pretty much, pretty much, you know, kind of thing, right? But yeah, I never really phased out like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so congratulations on a thousand subs, bud. Hey, thanks. Congratulations on five. Oh, yeah. High five to that. Eh? Well, high yeah, five. high five to high that. Five, high five. Um, um, yeah, yes. it's, it's a long road to get to a thousand there for you, but you did it. it I know. Good. And it all it all seems to sort of come together there for a minute. You know, I, I've slowed down a little bit just because, like, I've been super busy this week and stuff. But I, I still got so many plans to keep, like, up on the news and keep up on the uh, ranking Wednesday, which by the way, I had my top 10 Tuesday and ranking Wednesday videos already recorded, edited, ready to go. And my internet went out on Wednesday night and it stayed out until, uh, today. So both of those days I, I uploaded the Wednesday day late, but I'll just save the Tuesday for next week. And I still got like a bunch more reviews and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Like I've been getting a lot of traffic from that actual, actually that phantasm video I did. Mm-hmm. Like people have actually said like, Oh, I saw your video on the sidebar or, Oh, I found your video through autoplay. And they're like, sub, I sub to you or something. And that video has like a thousand, 153 views as recording. This it has 60 likes, 36 comments. So, and I remember he was that. waiting for that phantasm video, man. I wait. I remember back when I used to do the news videos, like a long time ago, like the first year of my channel. I did. I, that was one type of video that always got a lot of views. I remember, like one of them got like five thousand views or something. Yeah. Just yeah. because people search that shit on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And my goal right now is to to have like those type of videos that are gonna bring people in, and then also still create like my regular reviews and and other type of videos and hopefully they stay for those and honestly like now i'm just having fun with youtube again and that's that's really what it all comes down to is having fun with it and you know you hitting five thousand is definitely nothing to 
you know, sneeze at, like, dude, your channel's getting huge. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty cool, man. That was pretty cool. I was pretty proud. I did a, uh, um, well, like I said in the beginning of the video that I did, I originally came up with the idea to do that hip hop tag video last summer. And I completely forgot about it. And then so I just added more questions to make it 22, you know, in kind of light of the 22 shots kind of thing. Completely unrelated, you know. <laughs> but of course, I just wanted to make it long. Um, but that got a really pleasant surprise um, of uh, responses. There really? is quite a few response videos. I, there's like at least 10 or 12 already. Wow. That's from crazy. It. So I was like, yeah, I was like, that's really crazy. So that was pretty cool, man. Yeah, I see. I actually watched that video. It was pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking about making a video, but I, I don't feel like my, my, you know, scope of hip hop is, is big enough to really get into some of those questions. Like some of the questions I was answering on the spot and other ones I was like, oh, I have no mm -hmm. idea. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know some people went to town with them and made like really, really long videos and stuff. And the questions were designed to not like think too hard about them, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, I mean, it is tougher for some people. Like I never really thought about it because, you know, your favorite album of all time, people are like, yeah, you know, I have so many favorite ones, but I mean, that's perfectly fine. It's just for me, I know exactly which one it is, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, we both, you know, within a couple of days of each other hit milestones on YouTube. I know. I was thinking that too. That's so crazy. That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. And you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm racing to catch up the Jeremy. Uh, I'm, I, I think I'm a little Jew bastard at right now. Ah, man, I don't even know. I think, I think he's around like 1,020 something and I'm about at 1,010, which by the way, Oh that's wow. You caught ridiculous. right up to him. <laughs> like that, that's ridiculous that, I gained like 10 subscribers within like two days after hitting a thousand when it took me, I literally was at 950 for months, months, people. I was at 950. Yeah. It's yeah. So crazy. <laughs> it, it's, it's weird how YouTube works, man. Sometimes, sometimes I, like I was at, I was in a just mud, just stuck in mud for a while. Jeremy's at 1026, by the way. Well, just remember, just remember if there's any, new developments on phantasm just jump on it <laughs> yeah. you know sometimes it sucks like because i do want to make videos but i'm at work or something and then you know sometimes you know i get i i i, I don't get home till late and then i'm like ah you know and i just let it go kind of but um yeah i mean it, it's definitely fun to to do the news videos the, you know sometimes they take a lot of editing though which also takes time yeah yeah that's definitely your thing. I, I couldn't imagine myself just reporting on. It's just not, not for me. I like I like watching those type of videos, but for myself, I'm just like you do it so much better. I got <laughs> news videos, man. I'm like fucking Walter Cronkite or some shit. Like that. <laughs> I'm not. No. <clears throat> I, I always try to think of different type of videos that I could I could do, or you know, because honestly, like if as as a viewer, when I'm subscribed to people, if all they do is reviews and updates like i just get i just get bored like i always watch an update you know as long as it's mm -hmm. not like an hour long modes yeah well i, I get it <laughs> and you know but reviews i'm not really a fan of i think once you do so many reviews you just you don't even want to hear other people's reviews that often um i only generally watch reviews of films that i've seen, seen. yeah myself and stuff so i actually um, um anytime i record a review if 
somebody else has done a review on this. You know, this typically happens when a new film comes out. Like, I'm instantly curious to see what other people said, you know. So I'll always watch those ones. Like, for example, once we record this show tonight on Observance, I'll check out everybody's review from last week that posted on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was like the perfect husband after I did. I was the last one, I think, of all of us to do a review on it. Well, because I didn't get it for until way after you guys. And then I got it, and then I did the review, and then I watched like seven videos in a row, and I was like, Jesus. Okay, I can't handle any more perfect husband reviews, man. That's enough. Yeah, but I'm with you on that. You know, as long as I've seen the movie or I've just reviewed it or something, I'll check out reviews. But for the most part, I'm always looking for new things like what like what is this person doing that's new like i like your best of the blind buy series i just watched that one that you mm-hmm. did uh i used to like your 10 and 10s you did back in the day i liked them so much i did them myself and you know uh there's other people out there who do you know different type of videos and that that's really what i like to see is just something different every once in a while i'm not saying that every video has to be completely completely unique but yeah. you know just try and I was telling Jeremy this too. I was like, just try some different things every once in a while. Like, and that's when he recorded that out and about. And I, I think a lot of people like that video. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, well, and, he could probably make the best ones because, uh, yeah, where's got like a million places to go to, man. This is nuts. See, I don't make those videos because I did one and people really enjoyed it and stuff, but I don't really have a lot of places to go to. I just end up repeating that same video. Yeah, you know, know that's really mean. that's really boring. So uh, I'm gonna actually try to do my first one here tomorrow, as I told you before we started recording. Yeah, like I'm gonna go and and check. I'm venturing further than I normally go because of the fact is there's nothing around here, so I have to go further to actually find anything. Hopefully, it yeah, doesn't yeah. end up a complete waste of time. In which case, I wouldn't even put up a video. <laughs> but you know, hopefully, I could get make something out of it, and uh, you know. Another thing, I was uh, talking to Andy a bit today, Andy, who was on our last show, Retro Slasher, and I was checking out his output lately, and I'm like, look, and I was like checking out his subs and stuff, and I was like, Andy's on the come up, like, he's actually, you know, putting effort into his videos, he's, I, I seen that he did a few, like, uh, intros and stuff that were cool, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he, uh, you know, is doing a, a lot of different things from, like, different type of rankings, different type of, you know, top, top 10 videos and stuff. It seems like he's actually, you know, really putting effort in. And I think that that is a lot of times what keeps people coming back is when they see that you just that you're just into it and you're you're putting uh, a lot of effort or time into something. And you're not just throwing up a video you recorded on your phone, you know, sloppily in one take. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I, I know what you mean, man. Like, I like watching updates more than, you know, th- those are always fun videos. But <clears throat> when somebody up- uploads just nonstop uh, updates, it's like, dude, like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I like even Turi? have time. <laughs> Shout out to Turi. He oh, slowed yeah. down a little bit, but, you know, he was, yeah. he was putting them out left and right and left and right. It was just like blowing my mind. I was like, holy crap, dude. <laughs> like, that's excessive, man. It's really nuts. But, uh, yeah, man, milestones, thousand subs and 5,000. Thank you, everybody. If you're listening, if you guys watch our channels, uh, we appreciate it, man. We really do. Um, yeah. I mean, what can I say? What can I say? Milestones are awesome, you know, and like, even with this podcast, we're approaching that hundredth episode and it's coming, it's coming slow, but it is coming quicker now. Starting to pick up the pace. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely starting to young MC that. We're picking up the pace again. This is good. Um, I think we'll get there pretty quick, though. Yeah. You know, and, like, so. 
you know, it's it's something that we love to do is record this show. And, you know, over time, I think that we've grown a lot. You know, we've we've definitely hit hit our stride kind of. Uh, we slowed down a little bit here, you know, went with output and stuff, but we're, we'll pick back up again. And uh, we're, you know, constantly seems like getting new people that are like, hey, I'm just started listening to your back catalog, which, by the way, the back catalog has turned into like this mega chore to, to watch, like to listen to all the episodes. Like I just thought about that today when when I subscribed to a new podcast and I was like they had like 30 some episodes out. And I was like, yeah, oh, I'll yeah. breeze through these 30 real quick. And then I was like, wow, I wonder what it's like for somebody to have to breeze through 85 episodes to catch up to us. And these aren't short episodes. These are like no plus hours every show. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's pretty interesting to think that people actually well, go back and listen to all of them. Considering, I think, you know, including this episode, which I assume will not be under two hours, but I think we only have one show that's like under two hours. It's probably episode one, huh? Or two. No, I don't think, I think it's actually the, the untitled one. The one that we ever did the main review for, I think JP was in a rush and he had to go watch some UFC, you know, that practical fighting. I still remember (laughs) the card, I think. I think it was, uh, Johnny Hendricks and GSP, or it was Nick Diaz and GSP. Holy fuck! I remember the reviews that we didn't do. It was it was uh, OJ versus um, remake, Maniac, and it was Maniac, and we never did them. It's yeah, crazy. I mean, the, and we the, always vowed that we would do them, and then we never did. <laughs> yeah, never did <laughs> so, but which is like the case with many shows that we've kind of back cataloged. You know, it's like I yeah. don't know. Uh, We're just sitting back there, but. Hopefully coming up here, guys, I really want to start doing some bigger shows, like shows that are, you know, not just um, a featured review or two featured reviews. Like I want to I want to start doing, you know, especially this episode, it, feels, it almost feels like a low point because we've been doing a lot of, you know, Doubles. theme show, theme shows and, uh, you know, trilogy, things like that. I mean, we've been kind of keeping pace with that. But this is the first solo featured review we've done in a long time. It is. It is. It's very since Shram, I believe. But even Shram had Dolomite as like a bonus featured review. <laughs> yeah, completely unrelated. <laughs> yeah, but but still kind of cool. Still kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, so we're gonna we're gonna definitely uh, come up with some cool ideas here. We had a few opportunities to do some interviews recently, but it just that scheduling is so hard with us guys. Um, it would have been cool, but that's something that I still would. Lo- I mean, I know we've been talking about that since like episode twenty two, but. Um, it's something that I definitely would like to do at some point. Yeah. The scheduling of the interviews is tough. It's really, really, it's tough to do, man. Cause we're, we're so limited on times that we can do, but you know, I I think it's going to work out sometime though. I mean, even Jeremy's been messaging me. I'm sure he's been messaging you too about, you know, certain opportunities and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll materialize somehow, but it'll be, it'll be nice to actually put something like that into a show and just kind of just mix it up a little bit. Why yeah, not? I recently seen that my old buddy, um, Boss Butcher, from he was originally from Terror Troop. I think they still do that podcast, but he started another podcast uh, probably a few years ago now called The Found Footage Files, a podcast completely based on just reviewing one found footage film each week. And that podcast actually took off. It it was uh it was it was in like Entertainment Weekly's like ten podcasts to listen to or or some don't quote me on Entertainment Weekly. It was some bigger. Uh, website that that posted a thing about podcasts and he was in in there with like adam green's the movie crypt and stuff like that and i seen recently he just posted an episode that they were doing on the blair witch project with eduardo sanchez so i was like you know that would be fucking cool to do something like that you know 
Nice. Yeah, so shout out to the Found Footage Files if you've ever listened to them. I, I'm a few episodes behind by few, <clears throat> I mean, like dozens. <laughs> man, man, you know when a subgenre like that, like a newer subgenre, takes off when you can do a whole podcast based around the, the subgenre? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great idea too, you know, to cover a specific subgenre of films, and especially one that's so debated, like found footage. Oh, big time, big time! But there really is tons of those films. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you'll never really run out of episodes to do. Probably not. I mean, it's we've talked about this many times, but it has slowed down quite drastically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've only seen like even this year, maybe one or two. I think myself? there's actually one being made right now called Found Footage 3D. <laughs> Found Footage 3D? Yeah, I th- I'm That's pretty sure we probably pretty talked about it way back in the day on the podcast, but I think it's actually like made now. <laughs> That's the best name ever. Uh, you, can't, you can't forget it. Yeah, right. It just kind of clings to you. What's that movie called? Found Footage, Found footage 3D? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Found <laughs> Footage 3D. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, it's real, real original. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway, the future of the show is looking bright. We're gonna keep at it. Keep keep coming up with ideas, different shows. Um, I mean, we we I pretty keep slowly slipping right ideas. We, we, oh yeah. yeah, but you know, I like formula as well. But it's always cool to add to the formula. Like you know, we used to do a lot of the um, well, not a lot, but we used to do the viewers' choice. And I mentioned that this year we should do it for, since we don't have a franchise to review on either Halloween or Christmas this year, because we did the the Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I believe uh, for Halloween we did Halloween and Night of the Demons. I don't think there are any other like main franchises for those holidays. Uh, no. Maybe we do a viewer's choice Halloween edition where it's they pick films that are set on Halloween, you know? Yeah, and that's a way to kind of reincorporate the viewer's choice and then also continue our uh, annual events for Halloween and Christmas. Yeah, I mean the same thing for Christmas time, right? Yeah, I would even be more interested to do it on Christmas because uh, I still want to do a fucking episode on Trick or Treat one of these days <laughs> just because I love that film so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean for Halloween viewer's choice, don't you think that would probably come up? Yeah, it probably would, honestly. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, they just kind of look through it and go, oh, they haven't reviewed Trick or Treat. Yeah, Trick or Treat, why not? Man, there's there's so many. So many. Absolutely. The Christmas one, I'm, the Christmas one I'm excited. I'd be excited for. I want, I'd, I'm curious. At yeah. least we don't have to worry about doing those dreadful Silent Night, Dead Night sequels. Yeah, yeah. And you know, honestly, past it, man. We're past it. I I mentioned a moods something like this a little while ago. I'm not going to get into like great detail, but uh, we kind of threw around the idea of having a way where like a listener could actually pick the episode. And that's something that even if we don't do it the way that I mentioned to moods, it would still be kind of interesting to see like just you know, one person get a chance to pick the episode, you know, <laughs> just mm-hmm. whole, solely up to them, whatever they fucking wanted. <laughs> so did I hear a rumor this week about you? About me? Yeah. I, I think I heard a rumor, man. And it was, it, it was something that kind of surprised me a little bit. What, what was it? it, it like, I mean, can you confirm this or, you know, just claim this? I heard that you might be possibly going region free. Oh yeah, that is true. 
I did. I did. You know what? You kind of. <laughs> I had you. You kind of messed it up though, because like, I. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I posted a little, uh, post on the group page where I was like, "Hey, what's the cheapest region free player? I'm gonna go region free. I got some titles coming in from Australia, and I I want to uh, watch them. So I need to get a region free player." And people commented, and I was actually really surprised at the price of the player that most people seem to go with it's sort of seems like it's the cheapest one it's only like 135 bucks and i'm like damn that's you know that's uh like i can yeah. pay with that from money that i made you know side money that i made over the past like year or so that i've just had had sort of sitting there and then moods messaged me and he's like you know what what titles did you get or are you getting and i was like oh well the um what is it road games with jamie lee curtis yeah yeah, that that does not have a US release on on Blu-ray or even DVD, right? Uh, I think there may have been I think Acre Bay actually did release Rogue Games. Okay, so but it's out of print though, right? It's long, long out okay. of print. So I that's you know really exciting to to get this film coming from Australia, you know, kind of shed some light on it. And then Moods is like, Oh, by the way, that's region free. So I was like, Oh, I guess I'm not getting that player now. <laughs> so you kind of <laughs> ruined it for me. <laughs> Uh, but you might as well still get it, man. I, I will mean, get it, but I'll wait till I have something to put in it. If this is region free, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to buy the player and not have anything to put in it. <laughs> yeah, well, it was kind of funny. I didn't even realize that it was region free, and I grabbed a few movies. I was camping the last couple of days, and uh, and before I go to bed, I like to throw on a film just because that's what I do. And so I, I, I packed road games, and I was like, oh well, that was fucking stupid. This thing's region B. And of course, my player in my in my motorhome is just a regular Blu-ray player. So I looked at the back, and it was like ABC, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> it's fucking all region. Listen, so there's I, some people up... that don't even have Blu-ray players in their house, and this fool got one in his motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it was just funny because I was like, ah, oh, I can't even watch this. And I was like so excited. I'm like, I can totally watch it. It's ABC. So I ended up watching it. So it's kind of cool. But yeah. Speaking of road games, Australian show potentially coming up. That would be a nice yeah. title, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, we do have that actually projected as a future episode. Yeah, but I just wanted to sound like, you know, uh, spontaneous i don't even here. remember the movies i don't yeah i don't remember the movies that we actually had listed for it but uh if one was originally road games i was like oh i don't have that and and you're like oh okay then we'll pick something else but now we could do it again so you definitely do road games yeah yeah so that's something that we'll do in the future but yeah i'm still gonna go region free just not yet because i probably will have some other titles from australia coming in eventually <clears> so uh i'll probably need a region free player still yeah, most of the titles seem to be B, but um, it's a way to go, though, man. It really that was, is. Uh, Umbrella Entertainment, correct? That, that released Umbrella. It. Yeah. yeah. There's another company out there that's sort of making waves in Australia called like Via Visual or Via something, and hmm. that's uh, that's the one that released that Psycho box set that had Psycho one, two, three, and four on Blu-ray before oh. Scream Factory announced Psycho four. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I'm know much sure about it has that the remake, but it definitely has the Bates Motel uh, series movie too. I think it does have the remake in it. Okay, so I'm that was mistaken. that's like a complete collection of psycho films, and they've they've announced some other stuff like uh, some Stephen King sets and things like that. Or are they the ones that put out that triple feature, Stephen King? Uh, probably. Which it's got like a rabbit in the dead zone. I think it's the only way to get the dead zone on Blu-ray. Oh, that's that Cronenberg set. Yeah, the Cronenberg one. Yeah, I think it. I think it is actually. I think that is them. Actually, that, well, that's kind of cool. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. So, um, 
that yeah they they they're pretty cool companies so far from what i'm um, i obviously don't own any releases from them but uh hopefully in the future i will yeah they, they actually put out a stephen king collection the dead zone pet cemetery christine and sleepwalkers so that's a that's a uh, yeah 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 they put it okay that's right in the cronenberg yeah okay yeah. yeah, they also released the Mothman prophecies on Blu-ray. <laughs> That's so random. Um, but they also have a show called. <laughs> they released Forever Night season one, two, and three on DVD. Uh, I don't actually know what that is. I'm not sure I know what that is either. Yeah, but that, it's a TV no show. Looks like a huh. vampire show or something. Yeah, but so, uh, they also have a original, uh, the original Piranha released on Blu-ray. Uh, they did a couple of the Halloweens. They did an Army of Darkness, and of course that Blu-ray set that uh, Cronenberg set that Moods was talking about the uh, Rabbit Shivers and Dead Zone. That's what it is. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. Yeah, so that I mean, the, it looks like they're just sort of, just sort of making their their you know way through uh, some films. I think they have an Amityville set that they just announced. Just has the first three, unfortunately. But yeah, it seems like they're sort of up and coming. I, I don't think that they have been releasing things for too long. No. But yeah, Umbrella does really good work, though. Going back to Umbrella, they put out some good stuff, good transfers, good stuff. Yeah, I've always I, heard of Umbrella. Yeah, they've been doing it for a long time, but they do put out some really good stuff. Like especially that that Night of the Living Dead um, OG and remake set that they put out there. The original '68 transfer is super sick, man. It's like the best it's ever looked. It's crazy. Oh yeah. So so yeah, man. It was like really good looking. Yeah. So I was very I mean, very surprised. It does seem like more than ever now, importing has become a uh, regular of collectors. I know that people have always imported, but it seems like mm-hmm. now it's even becoming more of a thing. It's actually gotten a little cheaper over the years. Maybe not for moods, but for you know us and uh, you know. I mean, you can you can buy stuff from well, Arrow's UK site. You know, and get it cheap. You know, oh, during their sales, way cheap. It's way cheaper to for me to order through the Arrow sale than it is regularly. Um, same with Australia, though. Their dollars were shit, so our dollars actually worth more over there. So it's it's kind of nice. <laughs> you know, I don't have to pay that huge conversion rate and shit. And the the shipping from Umbrella is really good. Yeah, like for a couple of Blu-rays, it was only like six bucks, seven bucks, something like that. Oh, you can't beat that. No, it was really good. I'm like, wow, that's coming pretty far. So I was surprised. It was surprised. So again, it's just the way to go. They got some things that I want and I'm definitely going to grab them. And honestly, the shipping's pretty quick. I have to say, you know, it's coming just as fast as stuff that I order from the US. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. So yeah. Anything else for the intro? No. We got some news. Yeah, we do have some news. Uh, the first thing up here, not like news news because we're not like a video podcast and we can't show it, but uh, the first photo, actual good photo of Pennywise has hit from the It remake. And I thought it was of note because it caused a little bit of a stir. A lot of people were hating on it, and I honestly thought it looked pretty good. What did you think? I know you've seen it, right? Yeah, I actually didn't mind it. Yeah, I was like, what? what's... Uh, I don't, like he doesn't look ridiculous or anything. Like I don't understand. Like, <laughs> no, I I thought it looked okay, man. I didn't really see what the problem was. But then again, you know, if you show a new, you know, like an old classic character, kind of updated, people are always going to kind of trip and you know hate on it. But uh, you know, I was just I was just being unbiased. Like I'm a big fan of the original character, and I was like, you know, this is kind of cool. I mean, for me, 
it's really going to come down to how it's played. Yeah, like this look wise, they got it. Like it, it doesn't look like it. Like no, it looks I think good. The look is fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, if um, who's portraying him? I actually don't know, uh, but I can look that up while you talk. I can't. I can't, yeah, I do know. I can't remember. You know me with names. I'm so bad. But um, yeah, I think the look is okay. I mean, as as long as he puts a good twist on the Pennywise character, I think it's. I think it might be a, a hit. Yeah, it's played Honest, by honestly, Bill Skarsgård. That's okay. Yeah, I can't remember those names. <laughs> He's from Sweden. <laughs> that's right. See, but my, yeah, we'll, we'll see, man. My only issue that I have with the way he looks is that he actually looks very young. Like Pennywise looks young, and then actually now that I looked it up. This dude who's playing him has, is one year older than me. So he's 26 years old. And I didn't actually know that. So that's why he looks young. And sure. how old was – I'm sure – I'm sure Tim Curry had to be older than 26 when he played it. Oh, he definitely was older than that. So that's kind of weird. That's the only thing that I might have an issue with is – Tim Curry had to have been like at least 40 when he was playing, maybe even older when he was playing that. But – uh yeah, man, we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe this is one of those cases where, you know, Dark Knight and uh, they announce that Heath Ledger's playing the Joker. Yeah, I mean, it could be, huh? Like, and people are going, really? Heath Ledger, that guy that plays on all those shitty romantic comedies? <laughs> yeah. And then he fucking kills the role, like, so good? It could so, be a situation like that. And, and maybe that is a good idea to go to distance yourself from the original Pennywise by making him younger so that this, you this is what I like about – this is why I'm always such a big fan of casting people that are pretty unknown because for myself who kind of looks at it in a practical way, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to give him a chance. You know, if you cast somebody that's really well known, you like, it's kind of hard to be, you know, to kind of accept that, you know, if you were to cast like, fuck, I don't know, some well-known actor and they're like, okay, fuck, you know, Johnny Depp. If it was Johnny Depp, you're like, okay, whatever, <laughs> you know, but I like this idea of not knowing how this is going to go. This can go really good or really bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's, I, it's 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 kind of exciting for me, and it was exactly how the Heath Ledger thing was. I was like, well, I've seen a couple of his shitty movies, but I don't really, I didn't really know much about the guy to be honest. Uh-huh. But but then he just kills the role, and it was just like, holy fuck, man! You know, you kind of go in with these low expectations, and then you're, you know, you're pleasantly surprised at the end. So you know, like I said, you know, going back to somebody like Johnny Depp, you know, you probably go in with really really high expectations, and then you get like a. Uh, Charlie and a Chocolate Factory re- remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that sucked. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I like this, man. I, I think, honestly, this might turn out pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The, the, there's a few benefits of this It remake. And the one benefit is it's theatrical, which means it's not a TV movie, which means that you can actually do more violence and gore. Which that's that's the if there's one reason to remake the film, that would be it, right? To, because you can get mm-hmm. more Oh, you can. There's actually a difference. A lot of people say, like, why remake something? Why remake something that was already done? Well, yeah, it was already done, but it wasn't already done like this in movie format. So yep. it that actually is like a okay reason to remake something. And also, I think it's going to come down to exactly what you said earlier. You said that the performance, and I think that the moment that Pennywise speaks will determine whether or not we're down for the ride with this new version of it. I think so too, man. Yep. And I, I really, I just, I hope that they make this movie not like overly dark, you know, but like dark, 
you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I hope it's like really atmospheric and dark. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I can I see agree. this movie. I hope so too. Really good. I, I hope that they don't try to go a little silly with it, you know, in aspects and things. But I do know one thing. I am going to miss my boy John Ritter in this film because I was such a big fan of John Ritter. But when I think of it, I instantly. It's funny, you know. I obviously think of Pennywise, Pennywise, but I think of John Ritter too. Yeah, I always liked him. I always liked the guy. <clears throat> so, uh, speaking of known faces, Kevin Bacon expresses interest in playing Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I know, this man. Is, this is some sort of news that's non-news, by the way. This guy, this fucking guy, man, has been making my. Well, we were talking about Kevin Bacon. I think what during the Tremor show. And how he was possibly showing interest in coming back and doing like another movie and things like that. And I'm just like, wow, you know, he started his, he got his roots in the horror films and now he's kind of coming full circle getting into him. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. But you know, like this is what I hate about the internet sometimes is that one thing happens and then all of a sudden you have like reports that say Kevin Bacon to play Freddy Krueger, like Kevin Bacon wants to play Freddy Krueger. And that's not what happened, okay? Like, oh no, he probably definitely didn't. But I'm just, I'm just kind of rolling with the idea. This probably never happened. Yeah, and well, no, no, no. I'll tell you exactly what happened here. But I was just having fun with it. I was just having fun because Kevin Bacon can play a really good bad guy, like kind of a dick character. So I was gonna interesting to talk about what if he did in a second. But Mm -hmm. first, let's actually get the actual news out of the way. Yeah, but even though it wouldn't be my very, first, you know, me with you know big names playing like these classic characters and things like that, but it'd be just fun to see him do this. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So what actually had happened was somebody on Twitter who's just a regular person tweeted at Kevin Bacon and said, "If a Nightmare on Elm Street gets rebooted again, can we please somehow get Kevin Bacon as Freddy? I think he'd be fantastic." And then Kevin Bacon replied with, "I like the way you think, Betty." So, like, literally all he did was just say, like, oh, I like, like, where your head's at. Like, that doesn't mean... But Kevin mean Bacon that... knows what he had done, too, though. He knows he's like, oh, this is going to blow the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, maybe, just... but he, I, I don't know if he really would care that much, you know? Like, he's no, so big. Not. Like, what does he care what, yeah. like, the horror world thinks? But even for him to reply to something like that, like, you know, it shows Sammy semi-interest. Not maybe the idea of actually playing Freddy, but just the idea of Kevin Bacon possibly being in another horror film. Because, you know, like I said, he showed interest in, you know, even doing a Tremors film. And well, stuff. I mean, so maybe- he recently did uh, the that horror TV show. Uh, I forget what the name of it was, but, uh, you know, that Kevin Williamson written uh, horror show that was out there. I forget yeah, what yeah. it's called. Mm-hmm. It's now. I mean, I, I mean, he's fucking he's dabbled in all over the place, I guess, Hollow Man and shit like that. I mean, he's done dark films, but uh, the I don't know, man. It was called The Following. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think it was cool that he actually even responded to that. Yeah, Cause generally of a lot of these like, recently he was, that. he was, I, I believe he was on a talk show or like a late night show and they played a clip from his Friday the 13th and he kind of talked about it a bit. Like I, I do appreciate that he is, you know, content with his horror roots and, and doesn't mind doing horror. Uh, well, yeah, that he doesn't ignore that shit, you know, he's yeah. like, uh, you know, I, you know, like some people like that was one thing about, like I always said about Jamie Lee Curtis that, that always annoyed me is that she, you know, started her career in horror films, did what, four or five films there in the early 80s and then got out of them and then just kind of forgot about it. Well, she didn't right? forget and about it. She actually said that she didn't like it and she she doesn't support it. But then exactly. later in life, but, but, I believe. But then the... she 
25. Well, when she was showing, yeah, but when she was showing that there's this huge community that love her films and like people gather in these conventions and shit like that, she's like, I, it changed her perspective. Like she even says that in that documentary. She's like, this is crazy. Yeah. That, she's like, I think it's so cool. And it, it kind of changed my mind a little bit. I'm like, this is really interesting. The, the documentary so, I mean, that Moods is referring to is, I believe, the night that she came home from the 35th anniversary Blu-ray release of yeah. Halloween, which I, I have talked about on the show before. Which there's numerous, numerous YouTubers in that in that video, too. Mm-hmm. There is. In there. Yeah, there's lots of them. There's pretty cool. So, but yeah, so, um, so at the end of the day, this does not mean Kevin Bacon is playing Freddy or that he's even remotely close to being cast. Just having fun with the idea. Yeah. Which, but you know, I just have to say that, that like, I hate how stories turn out though, because like it, it was all over yeah, the internet, yeah. like falsely in, in a weird way. And just, you know, to let people know that it's, it's not anything that's happening, but you know, she she literally said, like, I think he'd be fantastic. I mean, what he's saying could also just be like, I like the way you think, that you think I'm fantastic and stuff. But, you know, obviously yeah. he knows that it's attached to Freddy and, like, and he probably, w- like, would show a legitimate interest in playing that character. It just doesn't mean that it's happening. Uh, so, exactly. like, you know, as we last heard, the Nightmare on Elm Street is supposed to be rebooted again, whatever that means. Who knows? We'll find out in the future. One uh, of those, one of those 12 rewords. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I believe David Johnson from The Conjuring 2 and Orphan was attached to write the screenplay. Uh, both good movies, by the way, Conjuring 2 and Orphan. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, oh, I, I wouldn't Bacon know. Plays Freddy Krueger or not? That's probably way far in the future date. What is that? Just a jab at me because I can't ever see Conjuring Two. I bet you I buy the fucking <laughs> Blu-ray when it comes out, it and the work. shit freezes up on me. Won't yeah. even play. Probably. <laughs> 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 ah, shit. Yeah. Uh, after that, we had a little bit of a announcement from last week that uh, Terror Tunes Three is uh, is happening. And Herschel Gordon-Lewis is starring in it. It's so awesome. Terror Tunes 3. How the fuck did they even make the first one? Man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's going to be three of those. It's, um, it's currently – there's a trailer out, so it's already made. And yeah. pretty. That's awesome that Herschel Gordon-Lewis is starring in it though. That's cool, man. Well, starring in it, cameo. Starring very is very. I probably just kind of scribbled in there. It's not yeah. even written in solid bold letters. <laughs> I kind of think that it's going to be more of like a uh, you know maybe just an an extended cameo. Yeah, like he shows up in a few scenes here and there. I actually haven't seen it, either Terror Tunes. Oh my god, the first Terror Tunes film is so funny. <laughs> it's, it's dude, you would hate it. You would absolutely hate that movie for sure. Probably. <laughs> I know the angered, uh, the angered, the angered beast. He changed his name recently. What did he change his name to? Vanilla Gorilla Beast, remember? Yeah. And he changed it to the Angered Beast Reviewer or something like that. I know he did a, he did one of those fucking long funny reviews on Terror Tunes. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good shit. So, so yeah, that's ah, bugging me. See, there I go with my names again. I can't remember fucking names for the life of me. Uh, yeah, I don't, just don't, I don't, I, I know who you're talking about, but I didn't see that. <laughs> just like, anyways, that guy, you know, that guy, he swears a lot. He swears just as much as me. So, 
So um, the poster Tough. came out for Death House. We got more news. Yeah, the poster came out for Death House, and Death House is a movie that got a little bit of a internet, you know, viral effect, kind of when when it was uh, announced. I mean, it's been announced for a while now, but uh, it was it was being held as the Expendables of Horror. So that kind of uh, kind of got people excited, and it was actually ri- based on a script written by Gunnar Hansen. And I recently listened to a podcast, uh, forget the name of it, maybe like Postmortem or something like that. It's actually on the Horophilia Network. Uh, uh, one of the hosts is Christian from Exploding Heads. Mm-hmm. And they interviewed Felissa Rose. And of course, Felissa Rose was producing this film, I believe, or part of the production company, because I believe a while ago she joined a production company or started a production company or something like that. And I believe she was somehow attached to this film, either producing, I think she's in it as well, like in a small cameo or whatever. Uh, but this film was written by Gunnar Hansen, actually, before he passed away. And he was, he was really, she's mentioned that she was, he was really excited about this project. So. Um, that's pretty cool that it's actually living on and it's been made now and it should be coming out here sooner or later. But it's a pretty interesting uh, poster because it lists off all the people who are involved in it. Uh, the film follows two federal agents fight that fight their way through nine levels of hell inside a secret prison, prison known as Death House. A facility-wide prison break turns their fight in, into a tour of horrors as they push toward the ultimate evil housed in the lowest depths of the earth. So this sounds kind of cool, but let me just list off some of the names. Uh, you have, yeah, who's in this? Who's in this you movie? have uh, Vincent Ward. You have Vernon Wells, D. Wallace, Tony Todd, Richard Spate, Felissa Rose, Bill Oberst Jr., Bill Mosley, R.A. Menahalif, uh Camille Keaton, Lloyd Kaufman, Kane Hodder, Lindsay Hartley, Gunnar Hansen, Sid Haig, Barbara Crampton, Michael Berryman, Adrian Barbeau, Courtney Palm, and Cody Long. Jesus. When you said R.A., I thought you were going to say R.A. the rugged man. Yeah, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I thought too, but. <clears throat> well, that's a pretty good list of people right there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So how did they have Gunnar like, he Did they start filming this before he passed away? I uh, believe it has been filming for a while. I don't know if he's actually in it, but he's on the poster, which maybe because he wrote it. I don't know if he's actually like in it, in it, you know, but it's, it sounds yeah. pretty cool. Like I could see totally like, like Kane, like almost like a video game, like bosses and shit, like just this a crazy fucking, you know, murder house or whatever they called it. Death house. And each level is like crazy lunatics, you know? <laughs> And like, it's gotta be so hard to, to kind of direct and edit one of those films with so many big names. Cause you kind of want to get them in there in the right aspects of the film and not feel like you're just forcing the faces into the screen. You know, like, I think that it's just, I don't know. I like the idea of this, but I feel like it just could get to be like a mumbled jumble it probably disaster be because it's probably not a serious movie. You know what yeah. I mean? It's probably like a wink, wink, nod, nod to horror fans. And mm. I don't like movies like that, if I'm being 100% honest. But, you know, uh, if there's this many fucking people in it, of course I'm going to watch it. Uh, you know what the yeah, original Expendables of Horror film was, right? Yeah, I, I, I think we talked about this. In my opinion, was it, it was Wishmaster. Oh, okay. Remember how many familiar faces was in Wishmaster? Yeah. 
Yeah, that had a lot of faces in there. Yeah, I'm just pissed that they don't got Warwick Davis in this bitch. Warwick Davis never gets any love when it comes to freaking Masters of Horror. <laughs> he really doesn't, does he? No. <laughs> Shit. You know what? I mean, they got a lot of really, really big names in there. But, I mean, they could have, I guess, maybe a few more indie, well-known indie people. Like, it'd be nice to someone like Tiffany Shep is in there. I don't know if you named her off, but... Um, no, but Debbie Rashawn was there. Yeah, that's interesting that Tiffany Shep has never made the cut on there. Well, you know, big. maybe she was offered and she couldn't do it, or you know, you never know. Maybe. Um, but one thing that. But I mean, I I can't imagine anybody would be on the set for more than four hours <laughs> recording their parts for this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know I wish that there was like. So I mean, there are a lot of names, but uh, there's a lot of names that are not the biggest of the big like there are the big names but there's a lot of names missing too there's a lot of filler Yo, names that are not huge horror stars like cody longo like who is that do you know who that is uh well i'm bad with names man okay well he, i believe <laughs> he is from piranha 3d like that was his big film so <laughs> you know piranha 3d wow okay yeah so uh, another thing that worries mm-hmm. me a little bit about this film is it's directed by uh b harrison smith who uh, directed films like Camp Dread, Zombie Killers, Elephant Graveyard, and The Fields, as well as, it, honestly, like one of the worst movies I've seen in recent times, and that's Six Degrees of Hell. That movie was terrible. Oh, he directed that? Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's a little worrisome. <laughs> oh, man. Fucking Corey Feldman. Yeah. Ugh. Awful. Man, Corey Feldman's done a lot of bad horror films. Oof. Yeah, but you know what, man? I remember an interview with Corey Feldman before six degrees came out and he said something along the lines of like, it's going to be the scariest movie of the year. And it was literally like the, one of the worst pieces of crap. Like of, it was the worst film I saw that year. I think 2012, I believe. Oh shit. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. The, 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 these type of projects always sound super good, man. It's, it's kind of like the whole idea of the ABCs of death. It's, it sounds really good on paper and then you watch it and it's pretty average to below average yeah you know what i'm saying it's like fuck yeah you know? i mean i think that's I, that's kind of what i see happening with this one honestly Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna completely crap on it you know it's probably gonna be a fun movie at least so yeah i mean hopefully i mean as long as it's not like straight up comedy fuck yeah well it's gonna be that's the problem it's definitely gonna be because nobody can make a serious horror film when you have that many people involved in it for some reason seriously I, like I, I could not <laughs> see any way that this is a serious horror movie. Yeah, it's going to be played for shtick. Is do they have any type of storyline there or like? Yeah, explain it to you. I remember I read it out. It was like <laughs> <laughs> two secret two FBI agents go to like a house and there's murder. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. <laughs> I completely already forgot. <laughs> That's how memorable it was. I thought it was a, it was an alright story, but it seems like a video game, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy God, man. I'm losing my fucking mind here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the next little bit of news here. We got the CW has potentially landed the Lost Boys for a series adaptation uh, written by, I believe, who wrote What a surprise. Thing? Yeah, yeah. The Lost Boys. I guess that was next in line, right? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, well, it was literally it's, talked it's about before this big... Uh, boom of tv you know oh for sure but i mean they just got to take advantage of the vampires right i mean there's so many vampire shows yeah they need another one yeah. they need another one yeah 
Um, this is crazy though. It says, it says, uh, they're, they're remaking, reimagines the Lost Boys, um, for TV and vision for a seven season run. What? What? How are you that ahead of the game where you think you're going to make it seven seasons? Jesus Christ. It will tell a story spanning 70 years, each season chronicling a decade. That's actually a cool idea right there, honestly. Season one will be set in San Francisco during the Summer of Love 1967. So what do you mean? So if there's 10 episodes in a season, like like what is – what the – really? It's going to cover a whole decade in one season. So every episode's like a year? No, it's going to – Moods, keep up, man. It's <laughs> each season will will focus on a decade. That doesn't mean that they're gonna go through a whole fucking decade in a year. It's just like it'll be in six this sixties. The six the first season's in the sixties. Second season's in the seventies. Third season's in the eighties. Fourth season's in the nineties. You know what I'm well, saying? That, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So I mean, if you have season one and it's all in the '60s, okay, I guess, I guess. So they just set it in the certain time. I thought it was going to be like through the whole fucking decade. No, you know, in like a, in like an actual storyline, in like a storyline. But still, I mean, yeah, I guess whatever. But you got to really kind of push that story along, though. I mean, not, I, I, not really. I mean, the first season. Because fucking... wouldn't you want to have it like? Would you want to set it, you know, just in one year in the sixties, and the next se- in the next season, it's all set in the seventies? Say if you set in like yeah, sixty-four like 10 years later. Yeah, so I like, guess. But... Like you got to realize, dude, you're you're not think you're not gra- you got to think like as you're the creator of the show, right? So you the first season set in the sixties, right? You follow yeah. a vampire who is you know has some sort of uh you know storyline in that thing. And you wrap it up by the end of the season, like you do with any show. And then yeah. the next season is set in the seventies, and then okay. it's all new characters because everybody's dead, or everybody, or it's in a new. Well, see, place that's the part. I, see, that's the and, part. That's the part I didn't know. I didn't realize there was going to be new characters. So I was saying, if this was to, one well, continuing they're not story, saying that it is new characters, but you have to think like you're like that's what they're going to do because it's a season. You know, Every are- season of a show has new characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, for, for the most well, part. Well, there's always going to be characters that carry over, but name a season of a show that doesn't introduce new characters. No, but not all the characters. I'm not saying all the characters. I'm just saying yeah. new characters, new storylines in, in season two. That's how that's how most yeah. shows work. And then you got to think of the way that it makes sense because vampires don't age. So you could, when you're by the time you're in like 2017 – He's still the same. Age well, that's character. the only way that it works. But exactly, and that's the only way that it actually works. So, if you're going to have, you know, this show s- start in like 1961, and then all of a sudden it's 1970. I mean, yeah, I mean the characters don't age anyway. So, what does it fucking matter if you're covering nine years in the first season? You know, if you want to lead up, because there's going to be some characters that are going to carry over from mm-hmm. the 60s into the 70s. So, technically, I mean, there's still a time span there. You know what I'm saying? But with vampires, they don't age. It doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah, that's why I think, <laughs> I think it actually I think it only start. works. I think it only works with vampires, but I'm just saying though, like I said, if they set it in 62 and next season starts in, is starting in 1972, I mean, you still got to kind of show a timeline within the show so you're like covering a lot of ground in years technically in like 10 episodes, 12 episodes. I mean, I don't kinda, I don't I, it's it's an interesting premise, I don't but I mean, I cover like to any timeline. The, time. the, the whole first season can be set in 2 weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and then totally. and totally then can. at the end, whatever big drama thing wraps but up, it, and then it's like the next season comes about, and it's like the guy's ten years older. Maybe he's not in San Francisco anymore. He's in, and he meets all these new characters. Yeah. Maybe some characters come with him. It's you know, and it's a whole new storyline. Think of Dexter, right? Each season was its own storyline. E- each season yeah. has its own villain. It was, it's all wrapped it still- up by the end of the season. I know, but it was almost set in like, you know, in, at least it was set in that normal timeline. You know, Dexter was, you know, he was just yeah, but six would months it, older. Would it eight be older. any different if it, if he wasn't, you know, if, if it, if it was, te- if it was, well, I guess it's based late. on the world it's set though, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it doesn't I, sound too bad, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I can't see them setting an entire season within like a month period or something. I think they are going to cover ground within that decade. I would bet right. that they don't. I bet. I bet they. They. I mean, maybe like any, like any show, like any show. It's at- just more of. It's more of the fact to like put in like real events that happen in those times. Say if you start in the '60s, say in 1961, and then they they kind of throw in say just by chance they had like the JFK assassination and, and certain other L- or things that happen. You know, just into this, not like into the main story, but it's just there to show you the time that this is really set in. Okay. Well, you know really, what I, mean? what I should have done was the, uh, read the fewer. You got to give the viewers some type of something to be like, oh, that is the 60s. Yeah, totally, well, man. obviously, you like they're going to be dressed like they're in the 60s. The music's going to be like they're yeah, in but the I'm 60s. About real events. So if you have something that starts in the early 60s and then something in the later 60s, just to have that time period. So it's still going to cover a lot of ground. That's all I'm saying. I don't th- which would be cool. I don't think they're like going to uh, like cover ground in within the decade. And and the reason that I say that is I should have read this at, before we started debating this, but. It says each season, the humans, the setting, and the antagonists, and the antagonists and story all change. Only the vampires are lost boys, who, like the Peter Pan characters, never grow up. They remain the same. So, I, it, it, it does seem like it's going to be like okay, the the first season, it, it's a story arc, and it just so happens to be set in the sixties, nineteen sixty seven to be exact. And no, the no. next season will be 1977, and it, all all the people around them will be different. Only the vampires will be the same. Mm-hmm. And the setting, meaning the first one's set in San Francisco, the second one might be set in fucking Alaska. You know what I mean? So with those same vamp, yeah, and it works because they don't age. Yeah. So that's that's pretty. That's cool. not the worst idea for a TV show, and I think that this American Horror Story style setup is seeming to carry over to other shows now. Where it's like each season is their own I, thing, because I think it's easier to do, man. Yeah, and it's actually better. It's actually better yeah. in a certain way because you don't jump the shark ever because you're creating a <laughs> new fucking storyline every season. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, yeah. and they sort well, of always that, done that, that in a way. Like Dexter's the perfect example. Each season was its own story arc. There's not much carryover. Yeah. No, no. I mean, just certain subplots and stuff. Yeah. Right. You know, with family and, you know, of course, his job and things like that. But it always, yeah, the arc always changed. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's just it's entertainment value. I mean, people like change. I mean, it's just our world in general, right? I mean, everyone has ADD of some sort. So if you're constantly changing, just it kind of keeps your focus there, right? Yeah. And I honestly like the idea of each season being a period piece. Yeah, man, I like that idea too. I, I think it's kind of cool that they, you know, they're going to set it in the sixties to start and not like way back in the. I guess those period pieces are really expensive to well, do, though. You figure if they're really going with this seven season run, you have sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens, and 
2020s, which by the time it got there, we'd actually be in the 2020s. So, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, fuck, they, they really thought this out, didn't they? Yeah, it's <laughs> impressive. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, it it doesn't sound bad, but the last TV show that the CW announced, the last couple, uh, I believe, the Tells from the Dark Side reboot that didn't get picked up, uh, the Friday Thirteenth show that didn't end up happening so like the cw is not great for actually going through what these things once they announce them that is true it is true uh after that we have another little bit of information here uh on adam green and joe lynch's lynch's the movie crypt podcast we had a interview with jeff katz who I didn't listen to this episode, but thanks to dreadcentral.com, they kind of uh, basically gave us all the information from the episode. Uh, I'm a few, I'm many, many episodes behind on the movie crib, but fantastic podcast, by the way. Uh, Jeff mm-hmm. Katz is intending on remaking the Sleepaway Camp uh, film, the original, uh, with uh, producers uh, Felissa Rose and the original director, uh, Robert Hiltzik. Uh, they're all going to produce this Sleepaway Camp film. It actually was announced a while ago, actually a couple years ago, 2013 to be exact, where they picked up the rights to this film. And basically, wow. the uh, things that they actually mentioned in talking to Joe Lynch and Adam Green is that the reboot is actually more of a sequel and not so much a remake. It's just kind of a uh, – it's going to probably be called – Well, let, let's face Camp. it. When you, when you put the word remake with – uh, in the same sentence as Sleepaway Camp, it just becomes a laugh, really, because I mean, there's no shock value. I mean, if you were to just fully remake that film, it'd be ridiculous, but I think that would be the perfect time to use the word recalibration. You know how you, you create know? a shocking ending in a remake of Sleepaway Camp? How's that? The final shot, instead of having a penis, she has a vagina. Because you'd be shocked. You'd be like, oh shit, I thought she was going to have a dick again. But she had a vagina <laughs> this time. <laughs> we were laughing about that before. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Um, so the f- <laughs> this actually kind of sounds honestly pretty cool. So the film will pick up in present day and Angela has been w- locked away in Smith's Grove Sanitarium. People wow. of Halloween, of course, would know yep. what the hell that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she eventually escapes and seeking refuge at Camp Arawak. Uh, the plan is for Felissa Rose to reprise the iconic role. Uh, you resolve her character while setting up the events of a new movie, which are all tied directly to her and in a way which allow you t- uh, to honor the original but spin off an entirely new direction. Uh, suggestion suggesting that the film would serve as both a direct sequel and a fresh reboot. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, actually, there was another article I read that huh, that's interesting. explained a little bit more. And apparently, there was going to be a nod to like the Elm Street, uh, the uh, Elm, Elm Street films, because uh, I believe Jeff Katz had something to do with producing. I think Freddy vs. Jason. So. Um, there was going to be a reference to Weston Hills, which was, of course, the sanitarium from Elm Street uh, or Freddy vs. Jason, I believe. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it was called that in Elm Street Three or not. That would have been cool if it was, though, when they remade or when they made Freddy vs. Jason, if they had a reference to that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, if yeah. it was the same place, you know, because that would make sense actually. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, they probably didn't think that through. 
And yeah, so it sounds. I mean, this sounds cool to me. Among like I'm down with this. Like this sounds neat. It does sound cool, actually. So I guess what they're doing is they're they're testing. They're trying to get production, like um, I guess money. So they're like shopping it still. Uh, Still seems like it's uh, in development hell, but you know maybe eventually. Especially with if the news gets big, you know since this news came out and the movie crypt is a huge podcast if people get talking about it again then obviously uh producers will listen and be like oh like people are talking about that sleepaway camp shit let's let's pay, pay for this remake <laughs> Hmm. so yeah after that mark Duplis teases uh creep 2 he said pre-production has begun on creep 2 yeah Oh, so he's going to fuck with someone else? What's that? So he's going to go and fuck with someone else then? <laughs> the creep guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. That movie was creepy as fuck. Like, I'm not... Dude, I, I love that movie, man. I thought the performances were excellent. Definitely a sleeper hit from last year. Like, some people yeah. had it on their top ten. Not me, actually. But it was very worthy of being on a top ten. <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. It was good. I love the ending. The ending was fantastic. Yeah. So uh, after that, we have Inside. The remake is going to premiere at uh, Sitges, which is the 49th uh, International Fantastic Film Festival of Catalonia, which is taking place from October 7th to October 16th. So yeah, the Inside remake coming out. Wow, that's a long festival. It's crazy. Yeah. Like nine days? Wow. After that, Finally, we have CBS is re-releasing the Twilight Zone, the complete series on DVD. Which I'm actually is it excited. A, is it not Blu-ray? It's not Blu-ray. They're re-releasing on DVD. Yeah, just DVD. Yes. So strange. Well, that's because CBS didn't release the Twilight Zone, right? Like it was somebody else who. So like they must have got like it, it was somebody else, right? That released the uh, Blu-rays. Uh yeah, it was um, it was Image. Okay, so they must have Image lost released the rights. Image released the DVD. Yeah, Image uh, released the DVDs and yeah, the Blu-rays too. Yeah. So so that's interesting. So they must have hmm. lost the rights, and so honestly, those will probably go out of print now. Just saying. Well, aren't aren't they reissuing uh, the Friday the Thirteenth series too? Yeah, CBS is. So and then is there something else? Oh no, yeah, I guess we already covered the. Jesus, man. That's so, crazy. so maybe CBS has got the rights to a few of these TV shows, and they're they're re-releasing, re-releasing them. I don't know what the price point is on the Twilight Zone set yet because it, I can't find it on Amazon. I can only find the old sets, the uh, definitive collection, and then that one that was released without special features. Uh, yeah, which is um, those are about one hundred and thirty and one hundred and three dollars, which they'll probably go out of print now. Uh, so if you would rather have the definitive collection, it's about one hundred and thirty dollars right now. It's probably better to grab that. Uh, but this, because this set right here does not have special features. Shit. But uh, no price point yet. Uh, CBS's press releases are weird as hell because they don't really say much. Like they only, they only, like it's like two sentences. <laughs> you know. They keep you guessing, man. Okay, so it looks <laughs> like right now the uh, Friday the Thirteenth the complete series. Uh, that set will be thirty four sixty seven, and it gets released September sixth. So, um, thirty four. Wow. 
And it looks like the complete series of uh, the Tales from the Dark Side is actually really cheap. It's only twenty six forty three. They must be stacking those things. Stacking them? Yeah. What's that mean? You know, they're not like they're all kind of in just in a stack, like the discs. You know, they don't have like their individual holders. Mm, I don't know because it, the the set. You've seen box sets because it seems like every time you come across one of those really cheap sets. They like the reissues, oh, like, like of you know, TV series and season like that, yeah. or TV shows. Yeah, if you get those big thick ones or whatever, they're just kind of stacked in there. It's like, what the fuck is this? Well, man? I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Like this, this set does look kind of thick for Friday the Thirteenth. I bet you it's a, one of those stackers. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I know I have. I think I have like the Married to Children one and like the discs. Yeah, just, those, like, those are Echo Bridge though. Like those are that's like yeah. the cheapest company out there. You know. Oh, big time. But I actually like the new style of um, packaging. Like, I'm down with the slim shit now. <laughs> like, I really am. Like, I ain't got space for that thick shit. No. Nobody does. <laughs> don't. <laughs> no. <clears throat> but, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what's up with that. You know, CBS re-releasing The Twilight Zone. 156 episodes, all five seasons. I'm hoping I get one of these, honestly, because if not, I'm going to have to buy it because I've been wanting to buy the Twilight Zone forever. Hopefully the price is a little lower. You know, typically what happens when they do, like you say, stack it, the price does come down, like, significantly. Like, you can get the entire, that all married with children thing you're talking about, like, the entire set's like 30 bucks, you know, for every season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if they're going to be more like that, then I'm down. And that's the news. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. I, I know I had, I think it was, I think it might have been the Twilight Zone, the 80s show. Yeah, it was. The packaging on that box set was horrible. It was fucking terrible. And I believe that there was 13 discs and I believe that they were stacked in there or something like that. So what I did is uh, I went out and bought, you know, just the regular DVD jewel cases um, or the regular key cases, whatever, uh, that hold six discs, you know, like kind of like the flipper mm-hmm. things and stuff. And I bought two of those and I put the discs in there and the 13 disc I just put into uh, just like a, you know, a paper wrapper thing. And they fit into the box set perfectly, like two, you know, 14 millimeter DVD cases That's fit cool. right into the box set. So it was just it, it worked out perfectly. And so I showed a few people that I'm like, oh, that's a great idea, man. That's fucking awesome. So, you know, if your box set allows you to put those in there, that's what you do. Yeah. You improvise. Uh, you listen, improvise. One of the worst DVD packagings I ever bought was for Roseanne season one. And mm-hmm. it was, I believe that was uh, Mill Creek Entertainment released that. And yeah. basically it was like a keep case. And on the inside of the keep case, the three discs were in paper sleeves and there was like a hollowed out square that they, that yep. the sleeves like sat in. <laughs> that's, yep, that's, that's what they did on. That's what they did on all those things. And Sanford and Son. That was another one. I actually don't own that, but I've seen many videos talking about it, which is like 30 some discs or something are just stacked on top of each other in like the cheapest plastic ever. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that fucking married to children. When I have, it's basically, you know, like when you'd buy like a 50 stack of, you know, CDs or DVDs or whatever, you know, in those plastic, kind of stand-up cases or whatever that's exactly how the package was with a box around it (laughs) yeah it was funny because they were just like though man that price is good for that i want that i want that they weren't even in those they weren't even in the paper sleeves they were just stacked on each on top of each other and then the top had like this little tight piece of cardboard that was keeping (laughs) them from like moving around (laughs) i was like holy shit this is incredible (laughs) 
<laughs> just so cheap, so cheap. But I mean, you can't beat it like the whole ten or eleven season run for twenty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> some shit. Yeah, so. that's a show that I barely watched when I was growing up, but I caught a few episodes like here and there, like in my adult life, and I, I really was like, oh, dude, I'm totally gonna buy this show one day, like all the seasons, because it actually is pretty fun. I'm a, I'm a sucker for sitcoms in general. Like I I I, I only collect horror. And TV shows. Like I said that in a recent video. Like I like TV shows. I'm a huge fan of like owning TV shows. Especially <laughs> if they're horror. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And well, nowadays, man, they're just breaking your bank. There's so many of them. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, speaking of TV shows, I guess we'll get into the uh, the DVD and Blu-ray releases for August 23rd, 2016. First up here is a TV show and it is Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 1, finally making its way to Blu-ray and it's released by Stars, which is, of course, Anchor Bay. Um, yeah, you once had a podcast. Yep. That was the entire all based run. on this. Yeah, the entire first season. So that was pretty cool. So coming to, I still haven't seen it. I'm probably going to grab this. Hopefully they have it on DVD. You know what, dude? <laughs> um, during the show, like, they were fun episode. Like we'd record the podcast after he, you know, watch an episode, record the podcast. And it was like, you know, like at the time when we was recording, like, I think like we wanted to like the show, but the more I've sat and taught, like thought about it, like after viewing it and sort of even when our last episode where we gave our like final opinions on the show, I was kind of not re- like, I'm kind of down on it. Like it was not too impressive. Like, is that right? Mm hmm. It was just all right, honestly. Really? Mm-hmm. That's, like, very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I heard from a lot of people that they, you know, for the most part, the consensus was it was pretty good. But uh, I was always uh, kind of skeptical on it's it from the start. It's pretty but... good, but the, it seems like every episode is, like, rushed, and they don't really, they didn't really add anything to the to the mythology, like, that much. And really? honestly, like, the mythology, or the... Like it's it's more Army of Darkness than Evil Dead, hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's all about mm-hmm. the comedy, and it almost feels you know what it feels like. It feels like that was what I was kind of getting. Slash like, uh, yeah, what was that other one that I, I can't remember? But like, it has like that Zombie Land vibe. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of figuring they were going to do something like that. I mean, if you if you kind of went with the original evil dead where it was supposed to be you know a horror film i don't think it would work as well Maybe. you know for for you know rating wise and things like that i think people want that little bit of comedy in there but sometimes it's just you know it is what it is i mean don't get me wrong i love army of darkness but yeah <laughs> it is what it is it's too bad that, that they didn't extend the uh the mythology and stuff and kind of go deeper into it that would have been really cool because i think there's a lot of areas that you can explore big it's, time it's with not that. only that they didn't really go into the mythology it's like they kind of changed the mythology a little bit like it's it's like oh, they even changed it well not change the mythology but they just added they just like it doesn't feel 100 percent like the same thing we've always been dealing with with the book of the dead like it feels like it they added a lot of different Mm-hmm. types of things that never felt like they existed in the old stuff. So they're they're they are signed on for a season 2, right? Yeah, it's already filmed, I think, or it's filming. Okay, I, so it's there's a no... release. Oh, okay. I see. Okay, so yeah, that's Apple Apple Ash versus Evil Dead on Blu-ray coming out here. 
uh, this Tuesday. Um, next up here from Arrow, we've got the Bloodstained Butterfly, and this is one I've been really, really stoked to see. I've never seen this one, and I heard it's really good. Just got it in the mail so today. Oh, fuck. You're so goddamn lucky. So fucking lucky. Well, I guess I'll wait. I'll probably get it next year when it goes on sale for $7.99. What is um, it? I don't know anything about it. Uh, it's a giallo, man. Oh, is it? Giallo. Okay, cool. Yeah. I thought it was so, a uh, the, No. Um, the, this one right here, I... Yeah, man, I've known about it. I just, I, this is cool. This is a very cool release for Arrow. So, uh, next up here from, uh, Artsploitation Films, we have Debunker is dropping this Tuesday. Um, I kind of accidentally caught the tail end of this trailer. I was, I popped the movie in that we're reviewing on the main feature tonight, the main review. And, um, I went to the bathroom and it came out and I just caught the like final 10 seconds of the trailer for this film and I started laughing. So that's always a good sign. I guess. Yeah, this one actually has a lot of good reviews, honestly. Yeah, it does look pretty quirky, actually. I actually wish I would have looked at the number on what uh, number that is. Because wasn't Der Bunker one of the original films released by Filmrise? Or was it not? I don't think so. But this one was also announced a long time ago, too. Remember, it took forever to come out? Yeah, but a lot of the ones that were announced a long time ago ended up coming out from Filmrise, remember? Yeah, that is true. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I bet you this one is in the 20s. I bet you this is one of the higher 20 numbers. Well, what's with that observance? It was like 43B or something like that. What the hell is that? It wasn't, it wasn't 43B. It was just, <laughs> it was just like 43. I thought it said B on the side and I was like, what the, what the fuck does 43B mean? That's so strange. Actually, but yeah, that um, was, I, I did, I did actually find out what they're from. And, uh, what's that? It's because, the original films released under Film Rise, which, by the way, Debunker was not one of them, were were uh, also that were considered part of the line. So all those Film Rise titles are part of the line. So they skipped into the forties with uh, Der, uh, Observance. And uh, oh, and, so we're gonna get a um, bunch of films we don't even know about. Wait, what? So we're gonna get a bunch of films here to fill in the gaps that no, we don't no, even no, know no, of no. yet. Those films released by Filmrise are the 20s and 30s. Oh, but really? Yeah, but they weren't numbered. Oh, so so, but they count. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Oh shit! And I don't even remember what the fuck they were either. It was Keeping Rosie, The Sect, Bunny the Killer Thing, Female Werewolf, Blue Family, If He Hollers, Death at Buenos Aires, The Dream Children, German Angst, Toro Loco, Bloodthirsty, Three Beauties, Perfect Obedience, and The Wicked Woods. Which was twenty eight to forty. Shit. Yeah, I reached out to their PR agent, or actually, in my review, I, when it when it got tweeted out, they watched my review and they're like, "Oh, by the way, the because re- in my review of Perfect Husband, I was like, why is Perfect Husband like numbered like forty something, and the last one was like twenty seven or something like that?" And yeah, yeah. They tweeted to me and they were like, "Oh, the reason that they were." release that was released under the 40s is because all the titles that came out in film rise were the were 28 through 40 and i was like yeah but they weren't (laughs) numbered and he's like oh let me actually check into that (laughs) and i get i I guess they keep it though so that sucks because i ain't buying all those expensive film rise dvdrs and now it's gonna look stupid on the shelf with all these like random missing numbers (laughs) 
Yeah, that's ridiculous. I told him, I was like, listen, what you guys should do is just keep the titles that you have in the 40s, keep the titles that you have in the 20s, and then any new film that you get, just fill those in the in the extra numbers. You know what I mean? Just start with 28 and put those as the as the as the missing numbers. Exactly. Why not? Yeah, but I I, I doubt they're going to do that. So you got, you got you got to literally fill in the gaps for you know us uh, OCD people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But anyways, yeah, that's their bunker. Uh, can't wait to actually check that one out. It looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up here, also of course, from mail today. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Uh, next up here from Film Rise, which you probably got this one in the fucking mail too, um, is Lake Erie. No, I don't. So, I don't get Film Rise. <laughs> I honestly, I can't stand them with these things. They just look so damn cheap every time you you just know they're Film Rise because they have this like huge Blu-ray blue edition. Banner. It looks like something blue out of banner like, at the top. You know what it looks like? You remember back in the day when like DVDs? It looks first like from came. 2007, the first editions of Blu-ray. It's like no, Blu-ray edition. No, you know what it looks like, dude. <laughs> Think oh, back man. to like the early 2000s like 2001 2002 and you would go into like a walmart or a you know dollar general or something and and they had that little section of all the public domain movies that were in those slim cases that were like dvd (laughs) you know and you're like oh shit dvds for a dollar this is crazy and they're like the worst transfers put out by like companies that picked up these public domain films that's what those remind me of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so true uh this film lake erie um yeah uh it has lance hendrickson in it so that's cool i guess lance and <laughs> hendrickson so i don't really know uh next up here's another tv show and it's called lucifer don't know, know anything about I this one never even heard of it i know that's what i said i was like lucifer what the fuck where did this come from um that's so crazy then there could be like you know complete tv shows you know already on dvd and blu-ray that we've never even heard of that are in the horror realm yep released by warner yep never heard of it fucking warner crazy uh next up here from scream factory is psycho for the beginning yeah yeah i'll actually grab i'm excited for this one i actually did order this one and i did actually skip a bunch of scream factory releases this month so yeah Yep. Like we already talked about this, runs done, but yeah, I, did, I had to grab this one because it's Psycho 4 and it's Psycho Man. I fucking one of my Psycho, favorite franchises. Psycho. I'm really curious to see the transfer on this. I hope it's good. I hope it's good. Uh, continuing along here, we have the second season of The Strain. Lots of uh, TV shows. Yeah, a lot of hype this on that show. People say it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, uh, I was very, very close actually about a week ago from picking up season one. I saw it at Walmart for like dirt cheap and I was like, I should probably grab that, but. You know what? I'll just wait it out, get it even cheaper, and then watch it in, tw- in 10, 12 years or something along with all the other ones. It's just too many to catch up on right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Speaking of TV shows, of course, we have The Walking Dead Season 6. Um, there's no word on the, the special editions, so if you're a collector of the special editions, uh doesn't show it on here. It just shows the regular uh, edition for the season six. So um, I did notice on here it says uh, episode 616, Last Day on Earth, <laughs> the extended. That's cool. Um, yeah, so for the Walking Dead fans out there, that is coming out, uh, I guess, down in the States. I guess this is getting released. I don't know. It's already been released here in Canada, but the Amityville Terror, uh, new Amityville film that's actually part of the original franchise. Uh, I actually picked this up a few weeks ago at Walmart. Did you really? It was like nine. 
Yeah, well, I was like, Amityville, I'm like, fuck, I might as well just grab it. How do we know <laughs> what's part of the original franchise? Like, it's really... Well, I... I, it actually, I think it, on a little bit of a write-up and not on the DVD, but I did look it up online and it says that it is connected. But the funny thing is, is that this one right here, released in 2016, it's actually after like four other releases that are supposed to come out this year. There's going to be like four or five Avonville films that come out this year. And this one was at the bottom of all those releases. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, they make way too many Avonville films. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah, but it's like, it's weird. Like, I'm looking at it right now, okay? And you have. Are, are you seeing the ones that are you seeing the ones that are released before it that aren't released? Yeah. So you have Amityville one, seventy nine. Amityville two eighty two. Amityville three D, which came out in eighty three. Then Amityville four: The Evil Escapes from eighty nine. Then the Amityville Curse from the nineteen ninety. Uh, Amityville: It's About Time from ninety two. Amityville: A New Generation from ninety three. Amityville: Dollhouse from ninety six. And then the Amityville Horror from oh five. Now, from what I understand, like, that's the original, like, like the original films. Those are the Amityville films uh, produced by the company that owns them. But, like, then you have the Amityville Haunting from 2011, Amityville Asylum from 13, Amityville Death House from 2015, which I thought wasn't even part of the series. Uh, yeah, it's like a Polonia Film. Yeah, so it's like, like a, this is, is is can anybody make an Amityville film? Like that's what I'm wondering. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. This one even says right on the front, based on the based on horrifying true events. So I'm assuming it even has a picture of the house. I think it looks a little the different, Amityville though. Playhouse from 2015, uh, which yeah, <laughs> Amityville No Escape from 2016, Amityville Vanishing Point from 2016. Amityville The Legacy from 2016, Amityville Terror, which is the one we're talking about, from 2016, and Amityville The Awakening, which I believe is actually, like, a production by the original, like, Amityville rights owners. Like, uh, what I'm beginning to think that it is, is anybody can literally make an Amityville film. It's like the name is public domain. Yeah. It's like anybody yeah, that's what want I'm to make wondering. an Amityville film? Sure. That's what I'm wondering. And I'm wondering if like – But the funny thing is though is that they're using images and they're like – you know, they're even basing it on that original Where? story and you know, using images and Where? stuff like that. You know, of the house. That's not even what the house looks like. <laughs> I know. But I mean it's like an interpretation. I mean yeah, it's but you, still you, – You can do an interpretation of something, right? Legally. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And But, and, but it's just based on horrifying true events. It doesn't say based on the Amityville murders. It says based on horrifying true events. I can mean anything. I know. I know. But you look, <laughs> I know. But then, I mean, you you just have to assume. How could you not assume? No, I'm saying like, right. is it, it, so how is it, like, is it part of the franchise then? That's what I'm trying to find out. Well, you know, the way I look at it, man, it's got the Amityville name on it. I guess. I mean, they're even listening on, I mean, Wikipedia, of course, is just open to interpretation from people anyways, because um, we're the people that do that. But I don't know, man. I really don't know. I haven't seen half these films, so I don't really know. <laughs> you know it's funny because a lot of these films actually do reference things and stuff, which is funny to me. Yeah, but it's, it's funny. Can, but my question is, can anybody do that? Because if anybody can do that, then they're technically not part of the f- franchise because what makes a film part of a franchise is it being made by the same company that owns the franchise right but the thing is like even the fourth film was was done by a different company wasn't it well i'm pretty sure even the the fourth one the fourth film was done by 
the company that bought the rights from MGM or whatever. You know what I mean? But I think the fourth one was like a TV film. Yeah, but still, it was still produced. I, I believe, like, if you follow the rights, like, I think it was originally yeah. done by AIP or AI, yeah, yeah AIP, and yeah. then to Orion, then MGM, then to Lionsgate, and then to Republic Pictures. Not the never never does it say anything about uncorked entertainment, which is doing this that just did this Amityville terror. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if we, I'm just talking. I imagine, I imagine you would probably have to probably sub. Sub, subwrite it somehow i mean just even to use the name amityville i, I mean i'm assuming that. it's probably it's probably copyrighted it has to be uh, you would assume it would city, be though or a town i guess i i don't know man as, I don't as long know as you're how, not saying exactly the amityville like, horror which I they are cutting be. the fine line here though i mean they're using a an image that when you when you really look at it it's not it's definitely not the house but it is portraying that house has got the amityville name on it i mean they're definitely you know, in that total ripoff area, if it's but, not part but of it, if it's, but it could be legal to do that. You know, if, if there's no, like, sort it of could be copyright. Yeah, I mean, on the, it, like who produced the remake, right? The legal issues or the legal rights and fuck, who knows what this, this industry, man. Yeah. Like platinum I was, dimension and MGM and radar, uh, produce. Well, that's the, the thing. There's there. These names are in so many different studios and shit like that. Like who isn't, I mean, do they own certain rights to them? I, I don't even know. It's crazy when a lot of, you know, that many different studios have a part in it. Yeah, but I, w- I would honestly go to say that everything after the remake is technically not Maybe part so. of the franchise except for The Awakening, which is the last one, the last big budget one. You think some of these smaller studios are owned by these bigger ones that are putting out these films? No. So maybe you don't think so? No. I mean, they p- quite possibly could be. Yeah, but I don't think they are because th- it seems like anybody See, can make I would, these. There's so many different little things that have made these. Well, yeah, the Polonia, the Polonia film. Yeah, I would assume that because that's very, very independent. Um, I'm just saying, like, if we're gonna review all of the Amityville films, like, like, do all these count? <laughs> I think it would be kind of fun to do. It would be like would, a seven-part show. At least a <laughs> four, eight. I mean, do this. It would be like a five-part arc. It's <laughs> ridiculous, man. I mean, I'm down. I would fucking do it just because it'd be fun. But I mean, yeah, yeah fuck it. Why not? Let's do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm working on getting them all, man. I, just some of the later, some of the later sequels or whatever you want to call them. They're not that cheap here, man. It's so weird. Like the Amityville haunting and shit is still like ten bucks. I'm like, I'm not paying ten bucks for that shit. That's well, fucking bullshit. Well, one thing that I wanted to say is I remember looking back in the day and like, for example, Death House and Playhouse yeah. were both not included on this. It went from us. Uh, it went from. Um, I think Asylum straight to The Awakening. So like yeah, some of these I were not that. included on here before. And now they are. I so I'm just wondering that. if it's like if like anybody Well I was surprised thinks... to see that Yeah, I was surprised to see that Polonia film on there too when I looked it up and I was like, wow. And then I, I just burst out laughing when I saw how many 2016 Amityville films were coming out. <laughs> I mean, I guess if it says in the fucking description based on the fucking Amityville series, then I know that's what I was like, looking at. It. I was like, Jesus Christ, man. It's like incredible. Like, think about but it, right? I, like, like anybody can so make a movie on Jeffrey Dahmer, right? You can, anybody yeah. can do that. Is that like exactly. this? You know what I'm saying? 
I don't know, man, but what, please tell me what exactly is so fascinating with, why is there four Amityville films coming out in 2016? Like, it, is it all of a sudden like super popular? Did they, did they strike a deal with like fucking Hot Topic? Are these films one of the Hot Topic? Is, is that the new thing? Is everyone's going to start wearing Amityville shirts and, you know, I, I don't get it. It's weird that in the it's last, just sparked in, up like crazy. The, the very yeah. idea that, Six Amityvilles came out in two in two years is ridiculous. I know that's exactly what I'm saying. It just makes no sense. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So that's our talk on Amityville. Amityville Terror, yes, based on horrifying true events. Uh, next up, finally getting a Region One release is Clown. Um, every time I see this, got that one this out today too. Jesus fucking Christ. You are such a piece of shit. You know that? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, seriously. I could have paid for asshole. that. He's just, he's just rubbing it in. He's like, oh, this guy doesn't get shit because he's in Canada. Must be those thousand subs you got. Yeah. Fuck. Um, but no, Clown's finally getting a region one release. Um, if it makes you feel any better, I only got it on DVD and not Blu-ray. Yeah, I was making fun of you, too, at the beginning. He's like, oh, he's like, fucking asshole sent me the DVD. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, boohoo! You got a free DVD of Clown. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no Canadian release for this, so it's actually an import. And the, the DVD I think is thirty bucks on on Amazon.ca. I was like, holy shit, man, that's crazy! You know I would be picking up? that up. The DVD is twelve thirty seven here, and the Blu-ray is only thirteen fifty three. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you go with the Blu-ray? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's like a dollar more. But I'm actually excited to see this maybe in four years when the price goes down. But I'm, I'm curious, man. This movie has had so many uh, just different opinions on it. Like I've heard people say, you know, top 10, you know, it was total shit. It was boring. It was great. I don't know. Yeah. I I'm, mean, I'm really I've, curious I've to heard see this one. Literally every type of review on every, it. Every type of opinion. Yeah. yeah it's really and, crazy. You so. know, speaking of top 10s, it actually did make Dave's top 10. Oh, that's right. It did. Yeah. It actually made his number 10 in his top 10 of 2015. Episode 68, boys. Check it out. (laughs) Awesome. And that is going to conclude the DVD and Blu-ray releases for August 23rd. So my pick of the week, my release of the week. Wow. I mean, it's not really that hard. Got to go with Arrow, the Bloodstained Butterfly, because I'm sure it's fantastic, and it's Arrow, and yeah, I don't think I could ever just pick a TV show. <laughs> I don't think that would have been mine, honestly. <laughs> what would you have went with? I mean... Psycho 4? Yes. Really? Yeah, because I know that's a good movie. It's a film that has never been released on Blu-ray. Uh, it's a film that you could only get in a triple, uh, in a quadruple or triple pack, and it has two new audio commentaries and rare behind-the-scenes footage from Mick Garris. Yeah, I think the Bloodstained Come on, butterfly. who doesn't want to hear Olivia Hussey and Mick Garris and Henry Thompson in an audio commentary? <laughs> Fuck. This one's got some pretty cool features on it, too. But Excuse I think me, this is the first time this has been released. What? What? The Bloodstained Butterfly? I, yeah, I'm not sure if it had a release before at all. I don't think it did. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so that... Yeah, I guess that's... Uh, that, that Plus... You know, it being Giallo, I mean, it, it gets me, it, it really kind of tickles my pickle, man. I'm just like, and that name, though, the Bloodstained Butterfly, that's a great name. That's a great title. It just kind of flows off the tongue. It's great, man. 1971. Yeah, right in the prime, right in prime time, Giallo. It's 
good stuff. So yeah, that is the DVD and Blu-ray releases. Again, not, pretty slow, pretty slow. Not too much. Yeah, coming out. You know what though? I mean, uh, that's fine by me because I don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I keep I keep hearing that people are saying that like. September is just nuts for release and stuff. There is a lot of good releases coming out in September, but it's not like I'm not. There's so many that I'm not grabbing though too. So whatever it is, what it is it's, it's actually kind of nice not collecting all the screen factories because now I can just kind of pick and choose. And I'm like, wow, I'm saving a lot of money now. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I man. actually I love it. do have a little tiny um, thing we could talk about for knowledge. Okay, shoot. So uh, previously we did that knowledge on Jeepers Creepers and how it was like based off of an Unsolved Mystery episode. So there's two types of knowledge segments we could do. One where we just kind of talk about a certain thing that we were thinking of, like VHS or something. And then there's other ones where you might learn something. And I found that this was pretty cool. This was uh, from DreadCentral.com. And this was an exclusive that they had with uh, Doug Bradley. Uh, who I believe was on their podcast, if I'm not mistaken, and which I didn't even know Judd Central had a podcast, so I do now, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, they got one. Yeah. It was on episode 10, featuring Doug Bradley. And in that episode, Doug Bradley mentions that Clive Barker actually had an original idea for Hellraiser three. Now we all know what had came about Hellraiser three. It was. Uh, came out in the early 90s i believe like 93 or something like that and it 92 i think 92 and it was kind of a cheaper sequel it was the first time that uh clive didn't have really anything to do with it besides production i believe and basically it kind of has mixed opinions but it, it does seem like a lot of fans do like it even though it's like less serious and it's more cheesy because pinhead is kind of wreaking havoc on the world in the real world and, like, a lot of the characters are different besides uh, Pinhead. And, you know, it, it just is a, it's a movie that kind of has a love-hate relationship with the fans. I personally like it. I think it's fun. I like the Freddy-inspired Pinhead who's, like, talking more and more of, like, a, like, villain. Uh, you know, I, I like the original two more, but I actually don't hate the third one. What about you? I like the third one, man. Yeah, it's fun. So yeah. they were talking. And- I saw that in the cinema. Oh, that would be awesome. I would have liked to see that, actually. It's super cool. Yeah, I believe- it was there for one night. We had it one night. <laughs> that was it, man. It was one show, and it was crazy. Yeah. And I actually got to go see That's it. It was cool. pretty cool. I was 12. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's probably not a lot of people who saw that in the cinema, being the 90s and all. So that's that's neat. I would love to get a chance to see that in present. I'm, I'm still kind of surprised the movie even got a theatrical release. I know. I believe Part 4 actually got one, too. Yeah, it was the first four, yeah. So anyway... Clive Barker uh, was originally actually going to be attached to the third film, and he actually began writing it while they were filming Hellbound, which was Hellraiser 2. And Doug Bradley shared a story that it was originally going to actually not follow anything from the previous Hellraisers, and it was going to be its own story and actually not even have Pinhead in it at all. And it was going to be set in ancient Egypt, and the Great Pyramid was actually the first Lamont configuration, and it was going to raise a great pharaoh who was the first Cenobite. So that could have been very different in terms of wow. where the story was taken, and it could have been a Halloween three situation where everybody was like, "What the fuck is this? This isn't even Hellraiser," <laughs> you know? And like, it could have fans could have revolted. So. 
Clive, old Clive Barker might have dodged that's, a bullet. <laughs> damn, that just got me thinking. That's actually a really cool idea. I would like it now, but could you imagine if that happened back then? Pinhead's not in it and stuff. You, oh, you it would, would it would have been Halloween three all over yeah. again. Like, what is with these fucking filmmakers, man? They can't just make three in a row. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean. That's pretty cool. I like that whole idea, man. A- like ancient Egypt and you know pyramids and pharaohs and shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they had. Uh, I love those right? settings, though, man. And, fucking cool metal and shit and fucking yeah. hooks. <laughs> yeah, man, it, that would have been cool. I, I, I'm a big fan of films. There isn't really a whole lot of horror films that are set, you know, around the pyramids and things like that. But the ones that are, I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, just because that's such a unique setting. It's very, very different. Oh, so you love so. Brendan Fraser, mommy, huh? I've asked, <laughs> no, no, those are, those aren't my style, man. Those over stylized fucking Action garbage movies. films. No, they're not even horror films. Yeah. But no. Yeah, there's, there's that's definitely a, not many set in ancient Egypt. That's for No, there, there really isn't, man. I mean, there was that film that came out a couple years ago called Pyramid. 2013, um, I believe. 2013, yeah. Uh, Damn. Which I didn't, did f- I didn't. Three hit. fucking top 10 year shows and we're approaching our fourth. That's crazy. <laughs> It is crazy, man. I didn't hate that movie as much as some people. I know people had problems with uh, the CG, like creatures and stuff. And of course, you know, I would rather see practical and things. But I I did like the way that film developed. It was kind of cool because it was like in this pyramid. You felt very claustrophobic and stuff. It was kind of cool, man. I actually didn't see it. Yeah, it's just it's different. It's a different setting. You never get to see films like that very often and pretty cool. And then, yeah, I mean, there's been a couple here and there. But that's one setting that is very underutilized. Yeah. Probably because it's too expensive, <laughs> I would assume. Right? Yeah, it would probably be hard to. I mean, if you want to get real pyramids in there, I mean, oh, there you don't want to. One I seen recently, it was called um, the Day of the Mummy or some shit. It was. Remember, it came out a couple years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I never seen that one actually. Yeah, I forget. I forget what it was actually called. It was. It was. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> like a five out of ten. But uh, yeah, so interesting to see where history could have went um speaking of uh dread central actually wrote at the bottom of their little tiny article that hellraiser 3 has actually still not made it to blu-ray here in the states no it hasn't and that reminded me like yeah where the hell is my hellraiser 3 like i want to see hellraiser 3 on blu-ray because i actually like that one and uh actually there's apparently an uncut version as well so that's right yeah and I, I think the dvd i have is i think the transfer is not the greatest so i think it'd be any type of blu-ray transfer would be just a total upgrade i'm still hoping that somehow like arrow gets a hold of them because i am pretty sure like image owned part one and part two last and as we know arrow's been releasing a lot of image titles you know i haven't got that far man from the arrow box set like i've only checked out the first two films i gotta check out the the transfer for hellraiser 3 yeah by the way i'm at arrow but- u.s yeah, Arrow did release yeah. the Hellraiser. Yeah, but that yeah that was that was a total region B thing. Yeah, it was yeah. locked to the UK. But yeah, no, I haven't actually even uh, watched the third one yet. I would <laughs> watch the to first see, two. Like, the entire series on box set. That would be that would be epic if that happened. Like yeah, as much as be... I, like honestly, that'd be a big box set, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, honestly, Pretty like cool. the the later sequels, like they do suck, kind of. But like over the years, I think I think people kind of. Are, well, I think what's going to happen is people are going to sort of watch them for what they are. And even though they're not Hellraiser movies, like we kind of enjoyed like this. What was it? The seventh, sixth one that we watched for uh, the 2002 well, show. Yeah. I think all three we've of kind us of been enjoyed forced to, that. 
Yeah, we've been forced to watch at least two of the sequels recently. Yeah. Which honestly, <laughs> part like, four and then part four, I liked more the first time I, the last time I watched it than this time. <laughs> you know what, man? Me too. Yeah. Like I watched it with my friend and she was just like, huh. <laughs> you know, she was, it feels not, like a mess. Was not, it feels like a mess. It's a real, it's a, it's a big mess, but it's also one of those titles that mm. apparently has a completely different cut. So similar to Halloween sixes producers cut. Yeah. That, that probably makes sense, man. Because that movie just feels like it was kind of just thrown together. I actually love the um, the uh, like his the the period piece stuff, which is very <clears throat> short in the movie. It's like the prequel shit. Like I actually that's my favorite part of the movie. Are you a fan of when they they use the same actors as the period piece, and then they're you know obviously different characters later on in the future and stuff but it's the same people do you find that a little confusing i don't find it confusing i just am not the biggest fan of it like i mentioned in four <laughs> yeah see i don't i'm not a big i mean you know in i i just found it really noticeable in part four you know with that one dude and then you know he's all of a sudden in the future i'm just like i don't know why they did that they it's do just, that a lot I know it just I, obviously it's to you know save on money obviously yeah, and it's, it's to say like hey this is their great Re- like relative like or whatever you know and that's like yeah. oh like they look exactly the same oh it's because but they're, they're, the same they're, they're identical twins <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so that's that's my little knowledge segment little i i didn't know that i don't i don't know if that story's ever been released so that's kind of cool it's crazy that we still find out shit that we didn't know <laughs> you know like especially about a talked about franchise like hellraiser mm-hmm you would have think that would have came out at some point. <laughs> Maybe it did. It didn't. Nobody remembers. I didn't remember. No, no, I didn't. But yeah, but that yeah. was knowledge. It was knowledge. All right, so we'll get into the morbid fact here from the Corners Report, courtesy of Rumorg Magazine. This is coming from issue one sixty eight. Uh, from July 2016, so this is relatively super new. And man, I'm not sure if I read this one or not. Just if I did, then we'll redo this. <laughs> um, but uh, I know I've read some from here. Sometimes my mind is just like completely ridiculous. Um, but anyways, this one right here, and there is a point to this. But um, actress Gemma Artin, she's from Byzantium. Uh, yeah, she's got a really fucking weird name. Was born. With six fingers on each hand. Now, the reason why I thought that was interesting is because it's something I definitely don't talk about a whole lot. But uh, I was actually born with six fingers on my right hand. Are you serious? <laughs> I am totally not making this what? up. And oddly enough, I was born with an extra toe on each one of my on both my feet. So when I read, when I read this, I actually forgot about it and I picked up the magazine today and it was the first thing I read from the morbid fact. And I was like, do you miss shit? Do I miss? I had them, I had them surgically removed when I was like, do you have phantom finger syndrome? Like three months. I think they had to wait till I was like three months or something. Mm, But you know, the funny thing is like, I mean, my hands are completely normal, but I do have scars from where they were. But, um, on my hands, you know, where my pinky is, so where that outside knuckle is, it's, I, I do have like an extra nerve there. So it is very sensitive. So if I hit my hand on something, it fucking hurts. So, like it really, it hurts like so much more than it would be if it was my left hand. So do you have it's crazy, phantom but, appendage syndrome? 
No, I, I don't. I, I mean, I get itchy sometimes, but the only difference is I have my feet are a little wider. So wearing thinner shoes, like I have to wear wide shoes. That's where I wear, you know, the shoes that I do. You know, I wear like DCs and stuff because you can get them in fucking wide style, right? So yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of annoying when you're shoe shopping. Um, I used to split the, sh- the split the hell out of my chucks when I was younger. <laughs> like all I'd have, I'd wear them for like six months and then all of a sudden the side of my foot would be busting out of there because my feet were too wide for them. <laughs> But it's just kind of cool that there's That's other crazy. people how out there. How did you not share that story? What are you, fucking Clive Barker all of a sudden? <laughs> I know, right? You know, it's something I don't really think about. It was something that used to get brought up when I was in school all the time because I had this one buddy and he was like obsessed with it. And he'd introduce me to people and he'd be like, yeah, and he was born with 12 toes and 11 fingers. And I'm like, thanks, buddy. <laughs> you have to tell the whole fucking world. Like, I wasn't embarrassed of it, but it was like, do you have to bring it up? Now, if you would have been doing morbid facts like this, I, I would have never asked if anybody listens to the morbid fact. Like, seriously, <laughs> this is the, this is the best morbid fact we've ever had. <laughs> this is like yeah. top. This is like the top nine of the top ten. It would have been the worst if it wasn't related to me, though. It's just like, yeah, this actor from Byzantium was born with six fingers. Okay, like, so now okay. you just have to make sure that every morbid fact is somehow related to one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because I remember talking to my doctor when I was younger and I said, you know, like, is this common, you know, for people to be born with, you know, extra phalanges? And he's like, uh, actually, it is. It's very, very common. He said it was like one in what the fuck? It was like really high. I was like, what? I don't know anybody else. Actually, technically, I do because my mom was born with an extra one, too. So but obviously, I got that gene from her. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's really fucked up when you think about it, though. Because if I was born, you know, two, three, four hundred years ago, uh, most likely they would have just killed me because I was born deformed, technically in their eyes, right? And it's like, it's kind of scary when you think about it. So I was born at a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that is the morbid fact for this episode. Hmm. I guess, I guess I'm morbid. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy. <laughs> so now I guess we'll really know if people are listening to the show because I'm sure people are going to comment about this. Yeah, Ma, he's a freak. He's a fucking freak. I was thinking, like, did has anybody ever commented about the morbid fact ever? Actually, a couple times. Yeah, yeah? a couple times. Must have missed them. Yeah, yeah, there definitely have. I think it's because it's so quick, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. it, generally it's kind of in the middle of the show, and then you have so much more of the show, and it's just probably easy forgotten. But. I did have one, and they were like, "Yeah, that was really interesting." Uh, I can't remember. I think it was actually about Wes Craven or something. I, who knows? Who knows? But that is going to conclude mood swings and moving on to the what we watch portion of the show. And uh, what do we got this week? Are, are we doing multiple films? Are we doing one? Uh, are you doing an action film? Are you going to talk about kung fu and how much you like it now? <laughs> uh, I, I honestly could do an action for a kung fu film, but <laughs> all right, I could do American Ninja too, but I'm not going to. Uh, I, that's a little that like sometimes we'll drag in some non horror stuff, but that's just way too non horror. Yeah, there's really that's not relatable at yeah. all. So uh, I'll go first. Okay. And I'm reviewing a film that you said that I would hate. Now let's see if I actually did hate it. Oh no, wh- which one was this one? Because I always say this to you. <laughs> it is micro. Actually, you know what it is, Mids? It's Terror Tunes. Ah! While while we were recording, I watched the first Terror Tunes. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> no, uh, it's Microwave Massacre from the year 1983, directed by Wayne Bur- Berwick, starring Jackie Vernon, who apparently is a comedian. 
or something? Yep. Okay. Yep. So this film follows Donald, who is a construction worker. The film actually opens up with this with boobs, which is pretty nice, I gotta say. Anytime there's these big <laughs> boobs walking down the street, you're like, nice. And then, like, for some reason, she pulls them out and puts them... I don't know why, actually, but she pulls them out and puts them through, like, a wood, like, fence or something. Do you know why that happened? I can't remember, uh, dude. It, it, I, I guess you haven't seen this in a while, probably, huh? Uh, it's, been, it's been a long time since I I just was it, wondering yeah. why that happened. I thought it was, like, a glory hole thing, but then I was like, wait, what the... This doesn't make sense. Anyway, that's not the point of the film. Like, that's just a throwaway scene. Uh, Donald and his wife are, like kind of sick of each other and uh donald's wife she's trying to like cook all these like gourmet like dinners and shit and like it's right away you know that this film's like comedy as shit because like they're all pulling out their lunches at work like they're construction workers so they have like hard hats and they're like they're like metal lunch tent like can things and they pull 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 them out and like they everybody got like sandwiches and shit and dude pulls out like this cartoon sized bread with a full crab like not a de-shelled crab just like a crab like in the middle of it and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) you know so right away you know what kind of movie you you got and and honestly like i hate movies that are just stupid but like that actually did cause me to laugh because i was like what the fuck look like a cartoon so basically this guy i watched this today so it's really fresh in my memory that's why i'm like really in detail uh he he gets into a fight with his his wife because she sucks at cooking and she has this large microwave this like unusually large microwave like cartoony large microwave and he comes home drunk and he kills her uh the next day he's like horrified but like you know it, it he kind of accepts it and then he puts her corpse in the mic or in the freezer in which he one day is like really hungry and he has her body like wrapped up in foil and he eat and he eats her body and he's like oh this actually ain't too bad so uh basically he starts to experiment with like recipes and like he starts giving the food to other people and he's like eating his dead wife and he begins to like you know kind of uh bring in other people for his cannibalistic uh nature <laughs> and uh yeah i mean there's some there's some tna in here uh it's kind of almost satirical in a way with uh, some of the black comedy like you could tell that it's sort of making fun of like silly horror films you know in, in a way that the of like their ridiculous concepts by making a film with a completely ridiculous concept called microwave mm-hmm. massacre so there is a little bit of value in that comedy there Overall, I don't think it's like an amazing movie or anything, but it is cool to see like Arrow Video release a film like this. And which, by the way, this is coming to us courtesy of Arrow Video. And it's cool to see them release a film that like I would have never seen this in life, you know? Like, and honestly, like it's a pretty short movie. It's only about 76 minutes long and it has a few laughs in it. And like I said, TNA, which is always good. So the movie is not great. It's like a five out of 10. But it's a pretty cool release, honestly. I did watch the uh, one special feature on there, which is uh, a 22-minute making of. Wasn't super interesting, honestly. If I'm if I'm gonna be super honest, it, it just wasn't like that. I've expected it to have a cooler story, like like how does the fuck does microwave massacre come about and shit. But it was just kind of, eh, you know, it was, it was like uh, there's just it just came about. <laughs> and uh, you know, there's a commentary which I haven't listened to yet. I watched uh I watched Derek's review on it and he was watched I think he watched all the features and he said there was there was one on there that 
kind of linked Wes Craven to something to do with the film or some shit like that. And I was like, what? I was like, that just fucking blew my mind. Like, I think there was somebody that knew Wes Craven or something. He knew of the film. And I can't remember exactly how the story went, but I was like, that just seems so fucking strange. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, at all, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think. Was that, I don't think that was in the feature that I'm I I'm not watched, sure what features are on. But it might, it might have <clears throat> yeah. been. I might have missed it, but. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, the, one, the one thing I remember from Microwave Massacre is the stupid microwave. Like how fucking yeah, big it was. Yeah. <laughs> correct me I up, do know man. that they did talk about like how the ratings board like kind of chopped their film up. It was originally 90 minutes and it ended oh, 73. Yeah. So that's a huge difference. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So I wonder what that's that would be footage, about. man. <laughs> anyway, that's Microwave Massacre. It's five out of ten. <laughs> Five out of ten. I didn't eh? hate cool. it though. <clears throat> I, I'm actually quite surprised that you even gave it a pass because it does not seem like the type of film that you would be even remotely interested in. Even it's funny that you had a laugh about the crabs as soon as you mentioned. It, I remember. Yeah, that, that was like the <laughs> funniest like, part oh, to yeah. me. But um, yeah. I think it, you know, moods. Honestly, like when when I really think about it, it's probably definitely because it didn't overstay its welcome. Too, it's only 76 minutes. Like I can't complain yeah, uh, I, about a cheesy comedy movie that's 76 minutes. You know. How, how was the transfer on it? It wasn't the best, but it, for a movie like this, I mean, it's pretty good. Like, I wouldn't expect that the film elements would be in, like, great condition or anything. So it's pretty good for that, but it's not, like, a stunning HD, like, transfer that, that mm-hmm. some films, like, that are more respectable have. I will say that one thing, though, I totally thought that this movie could have been, like, a half-hour, like, 20-minute Tells from the Crypt episode. Like, it, it really seems like it kind of fits that sort of comedy that some of the tells from the crypts episodes were like. So maybe that's also why I liked it because it was a short movie that kind of felt like it could have been like an anthology TV show episode. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I can't wait to watch it again. It's been so long since I've seen it, but I remember do I remember laughing at it and I remember like the effects, like the body parts and shit being like so phony looking. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, by the way, a lot of phony looking body parts, um, like does it show up even worse on the on the transfer you're just like oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah but terrible. at the same time like there was one where he was like shish kebab <laughs> like this is the level of comedy like he, it's a shot of like him with a skewer and he's putting like green pepper onion uh you know red pepper and then he just puts a whole hand onto the shish kebab <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a whole hand you know not like a like the meat from the hand like a whole hand <laughs> and you're like what and but that actually that hand looked really good you know so it's just yeah. like it depends but microwave massacre check it out pick it up if you have i can't it. wait to watch it again that's so awesome yeah all right so uh film i'm going to review here is from 2013 and it is a i believe this is a spanish film but it's done with a um, american actors uh directed by sebastian silva yeah so um i believe he is actually from maybe it's actually from the country he's from yeah he's actually from chile so yeah this film actually takes place in chile so the base it there which is really cool but uh from 2013 and it's called magic magic this one is starring uh juno temple juno temple uh, Emily Browning, uh, Michael Sarah's in this film also, which this is actually one of the reasons why I'd never checked out this movie before because I saw Michael Sarah and I was like, and it's called Magic Magic. And I was like, 
that just doesn't sound good to me. I was actually over my cousin's house and both his girlfriend and one of my longtime female friends were talking about how hot Michael Sarah is. And I was like, <laughs> how hot Michael Sarah is? Yeah. Wow. I don't think they've seen this movie then. <laughs> He's, oh my God. Uh, have you ever heard of this movie? No. Magic Magic from 2013. Nope. It's it's an interesting film because you know Michael Sarah was a pretty big star at this time. Like he'd done a lot of big films, and this was you know definitely not like a main mainstream film. I don't think, anyways. But I just thought it was quite interesting who was starring in this Juno Temple. She's a good actress and stuff, and just kind of shocked me. But so basically, the storyline in this one is. Uh, revolves around your main character Gino Temple um she's kind of a very oddball character she's very emotional and just kind of strange and stuff she's very naive to the world and she has a cousin that's down in Chile and well she flies down to Chile to go and visit and hang out with her and stuff and she's never been out of the country she's never been out of America she's, in fact she's I don't think she's ever been out of her city so she like I said she's very naive to the world and very awkward and well she gets down to Chile and she gets to meet well she meets up with her cousin and of course her cousin has these friends and what they're going to do is um they're going off the mainland and they're going to go to stay on this house that's on this um on this remote island so you have to actually go to this island by boat um it's the only way to get there you can't drive there obviously it's an island right <laughs> what am i talking about but uh, upon getting there uh, Gino's introduced to Michael Sarah and a couple of their, these other characters and stuff. And she soon finds out that her cousin isn't going to be able to make the trip to the island right away. She's going to be a couple days or a few days because she has to do whatever. I think they said in the storyline that she has to stay behind and do these tests or whatever because she's actually in Chile going to school and things like that. So anyways, uh, Gino's, Gino Temple's character and these friends, they go to this island and soon as they arrive there, she's having major, major emotional problems. Like she's having a hard time connecting with these people like Michael Sarah and these other characters. And she just finds them to be just not her type of people. And Michael Sarah, Michael Sarah's character in this film is probably one of the most bizarre and strange and awkward characters I've ever come across in a film. He plays this so brilliantly, man. Like even as a viewer, you don't even, you don't know if he's just like weird or like homosexual or if he's just fucked in the head or if he's just, just, there's so many things that you're, you're seeing in this character. You can't quite figure him out for the life of you. Like if he's actually screwing with her or not. But so basically what's starting to happen is, um, Juno's character. I can't remember exactly what her name is in the film. I should probably figure that out keep calling her by her real name uh her name is uh Alyssa and so she's dealing with these friends and stuff and she's not getting along with them and she starts to having these crazy visions and all these weird things are happening and she's claiming that these people are all weird and you know that they're doing all this crazy shit to them to her and stuff and um so eventually what happens is about a few days later uh her cousin shows back up or shows up to the island and then that's kind of where your story takes kind of goes off from there um my thoughts on this film is this is a very interesting film kind of about like, you know, mental illness and things like that. Um, you kind of learn that really soon in the film that there's definitely something wrong with her and uh, or, you know, whatever. And but it's 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 a very intriguing film. I have to say the way this thing develops, it's very, very atmospheric with the strangest characters and like the weirdest things are happening and stuff. Cinematography, fantastic in this on location shot in Chile. Um, in the mountains and things like that. And there's like a lot of really weird sequences in this one. It's one of these films that has kind of like, I've heard people refer to this one as, um, 
uh, it's common. It's almost like Roman Polanski ish, you know, in the atmosphere, just the way the characters are in the setting and stuff. And it's, I, I have to agree, man. It's very strange. Um, but, uh, very well acted. I have to say Michael Sarah probably steals the show in this one besides Juno Temple. She does a great job in the lead. Like I have to say for someone that's going through so much, like so much that, you know, her character's going through, she plays it off really well. Like it's really crazy. And it's um, more or less like a psychological thriller mixed with horror elements. I've, I've even heard people say, well, just a couple people anyway, say this isn't really a horror film, but I, I kind of disagree. I think it really is. Uh, it is definitely psychological, but it has a very slow type burn to it. And you're not really a hundred percent sure where this film is going um which leads me into the third act which goes pretty batshit crazy it, a lot of things are happening and stuff um and i will say the ending is one of those f- things that's either going to make or break your your thoughts your final thoughts on this film you're either going to like it or you're going to hate it and i'm just going to leave it at that because without saying too much i don't want to go too far um i personally thought it was really intriguing the way they ended this film i thought it was fantastic uh but i can completely 100 you know side with people are like man that was really fucked up and that was you know that was crazy and stupid or whatever but i understand that but uh yeah, this one you have to see to kind of judge for yourself. It's one of those films that you can't say a whole lot about because you don't want to ruin too, too much. But I think it's good. I think it's really, really good, man. The the characters really sell this one. There's so much great interaction between the the lead characters of uh, uh, Brink, I think is what Michael Sarah's character's name, and Alicia. Uh, they do – it's just – it's so it, – you almost get this weird feeling when you're watching their characters because they're so weird emotionally just wrong and just <laughs> – I don't know, man. It's one of those films that you just got to see for yourself. Uh, I'm going to give this one a solid seven and a half out of 10. I don't think it's perfect, perfect, but I think it's really worth the time. It does run pretty long. It's about 98 minutes long. Um, but, uh, it's definitely worth the money though. So check it out. Magic, magic. If you were definitely, you know, kind of on the fence about this one, give it a shot. Give it a shot. It's really, it's different. Have you ever been, have you ever been friends with like a person who's like a big, like insane clown posse fan? Like a really big juggalo? Not really. No. Well, I have a couple of them and they always say this thing. And every time you say the title to this film, like it reminds me of them. They're always like magic, magic ninja, what? And like (laughs) every time you say magic, magic, I just expect ninja, what? (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah uh but i i have to say man if we're ever to compile a list of like top five creepiest characters other than you know like the main villains or whatever in films michael Sarah's character has to take this cake man you gotta you gotta see this film just to see his performance dang that's it's so fucking weird man you don't even know how to take him it's so strange just the way this film's done it's just it's really good like the, the best scenes in this film are the scenes between Juno and Michael Sarah? Their their interactions are I, so priceless to watch keep because they that. are so awkward. They are so awkward, and their their acting is good. Wasn't really he in a film good. called Juno? I think he was actually. <laughs> it's weird that you keep saying Juno. It's just easier for me to because they were like written right on the case here. I'm like Juno Temple and Michael Sarah, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a different film, man. It's really good, and I like I said, you know, come to the ending of this film, I I can understand, but ah, uh, what would you know? <laughs> what would you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's good. That's good. Right, that's good. So, uh, getting into my second film here, 
It is 1996's Bordello of Blood. This mm. is a Tales from the Crypt film. This is the second film after Tales from the Crypt wrapped up in its original TV series run from 1989 to 1995. They decided, hey, let's make films. And they made Demon Knight, which, by the way, was awesome. Demon Knight kicked ass. So mm-hmm. they have to follow it up in 1996 with Bordello of Blood. And again, Corey Feldman's name gets brought into the mix again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this film is a movie, kind of. And <laughs> it basically kinda. opens up with this uh, little dude who is trying to uncover a skeleton of the mother of all vampires, Lilith. And basically, her heart is separated in four chambers, uh, each from other parts of the world. And he brings her heart, releases it in, together in the chamber to where all four pieces touch and puts it into her body. She is resurrected. And then it cuts to the Crypt Keeper segment, which is always fun. And then it cuts back to the film in which we have Corey Feldman who's sort of like this delinquent. And honestly, I actually like Corey Feldman's character in this one. It's it's actually pretty he's actually pretty good. He was in a other episode, like an actual episode of this of the Tales from the Crypt show as well. That's right. That's right. Uh so yeah, he you know, he's he's sort of a tough guy like like just piece of shit scumbag kid, I guess. And uh, he's hanging in a bar and he just wants to get laid. So uh, this weirdo comes in and he's like creepy and shit and he's like i know where you can get laid or something and then Corey feldman like follows uh or drives to this um i guess it's like a funeral home and it's yeah creepy. It's like, it's and they're a, like oh well this is definitely yeah this definitely isn't a brothel but it's a front for one so he falls down in like a very cartoony way uh down this like gets in a coffin and like it falls down and like on the track and goes down and like very like casper like <laughs> into a uh room filled with titties like tons of titties which is like one of the best parts of the film uh and turns out they're all vampires and then we find a private investigator played by Dennis Miller Dennis Miller man and the comedian he okay so he's a jesus all these comedians today dennis miller is a comedian and he plays he's like a cynical sarcastic private investigator who's uh hired by the brother of caleb who was Corey feldman's character or the sister of caleb who was the Corey feldman character uh to track down and find out what happened to her brother he uncovers the vampire lair blah 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 dude i don't know like i've always tried to like this film and i it's just dry like, it kind of has cool, like, boobs and stuff, but, like, there's not really much I like about this film. What about you? <clears throat> I know uh, it, it's a bad film, but I find it a little bit entertaining. And that's um, what I do, too. A little bit entertaining. Just a little bit, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't – there's something – I don't know what it is, man. There's some kind of weird char- – I, I find Dennis Miller to be funny because Dennis Miller is just basically playing himself in that film. That's just the way he is. You I know, heard that he was, like, kind of a dick on set, though. Yeah, I've heard that too. Actually, I've heard that too. I mean, maybe he's just staying in character. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know, man. I, this is one of those films that when you watch it, every time I see it, I always think that it could have been just so much better. But you know what really bugs me about this film is, um, what's her name? The lead, the lead vampire in the film, um, oh, Angie Eckhart, yeah. the the red haired chick, Erica Ellen Neck, or no, Angie Everhart, yeah. 
Angie, yeah, Angie Everhart. Yeah, that's she. I believe that she used to be like a Victoria's Secret model or whatever. She wasn't even an actress. So, but it really shows in the film because she's just fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Her acting is so atrocious in that film. It just bugs me. Like she's so hot to look at. And then she opens up her mouth and you're like, oh, shut up, bitch. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> fucking terrible. That's one thing it does bug me about the film. The acting is so hit and miss in that one. And it's just could be so much better. Yeah, it, it, it does kind of suck. I mean, there was a cool moment in the beginning where you see that the key artifact that uh, controls Lilith is the same key from the Demon Knight film. And apparently it was also so supposed to be on Ritual as well. But they kind of when this film failed, they released Ritual as its own standalone film. And then later in life, uh, reinserted a uh, Tales from the Crypt thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like um, there is that's pretty cool like it th- this is such a step down from demon knight that it just it just kind of failed at the box office and critically so they just kind of canceled the whole tales from the crypt thing and it sucks because like that's maybe another reason why bordello of blood kind of pisses me off is because it like ruined what was so cool and uh yeah i don't know man it's just it's just not it's just not a movie that i love and i used I, the last time i watched it i reviewed it for, for the fright tube i believe and so you're looking at probably like four or five years ago at this point. And mm-hmm. I, I liked it a little bit. I liked it then, but like this time, this watch, I don't know. I just wasn't into it. Uh, I watched it with uh, that same friend that I watched the other film that I was talking about with Hellraiser mm-hmm. four. And uh, she was not into this one as well. You guys but, start picking better friends to show your friends or better films to show your friends, man. Well, I've been, I've been trying to force her to watch these 96 movies with me. So you're such a dick. You're so selfish. Like I got to get these watched anyways, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, pretty much every movie that I've ever showed her has been like, not a great movie. <laughs> so like, we watched start Uncle to think Sam all you together. watch is shitty films. Oh God. Sam together. We watch model hunger together, which is by the way, that's like a terrible film to show somebody who doesn't like know a lot about like indie films, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, what did you what did you think of Uncle Sam? Not much, honestly. Dude, that movie's terrible, man. Yeah, I can't believe I used to like that movie one time. On upon rewatch of this '96 show, I was like, "Holy shit, man!" I, I actually find myself agreeing with Dave for once. It's messed doesn't, up. I- it doesn't happen very often. Me and Dave disagree on like everything, but I was like, "Dave is right. This movie's terrible. It, it's fucking terrible." It's messed up, dude. Like I've. My whole, like, existence, I've always wanted to find somebody who loved horror movies. You know? Just any friend. any Anybody at all. And then when you do, all you do is show them shitty ones. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this past, like, you know, four or five months that we've been watching flicks together. Like, I've been showing her, like, the worst movies. <laughs> Dude, that is so funny. <laughs> yeah. We, I, forget, I forget what else we watched, but I don't think there's... I don't, I'm not sure if there's been one good good movie yet so uh jesus christ dude you got to step your game up man i know so, so, so what do you so what do you, you know we watched the craft we watched the craft yeah i mean that's that's a, a little bit better and ebola syndrome okay now we're talking yeah that's good <laughs> i forgot about those two <laughs> jesus what did she actually think of ebola syndrome that must have been kind that's of a so shock hilarious jesus christ <laughs> yeah, no she she's not like the t- she's not the type to be like disturbed or shocked by anything Mm-hmm. But just Maybe. that idea, like the idea of a bullet yeah. syndrome is pretty nasty. Man. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, that's Bordello of Blood, ladies and gentlemen. Not not super good, in my opinion. What what was the rating? Did I not rate it? Okay, uh, no, six not. out of ten. 
better than okay. better than I kind of let on. But that you know that six out of ten was the last time I rated it. I didn't even change the rating. I was like, yeah, yeah, that seems about the same. So, you know what's funny is that that's exactly what my rating is too. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's it's like what a well made movie, you know, like in terms of like quality like that like you got to give a point at least for all the tna right <laughs> of course of course it's just well i mean if could you imagine a film set in like a bordello without lots of tits and ass yeah <laughs> that'd that. be pretty fucking that's lame, not but... a world i want to live in Moses. no that, that's just not even acceptable can't make films like that ridiculous so six out of ten i mean yeah i totally agree i agree all right yeah Back so Alrighty, so we are going to take it to the year of 1985 uh, with an Italian film because this is going to be my Italian stallion of the week. I haven't done a segment in so long. Yeah, so 1985, it's strange to be reviewing a film like this from the mid-80s because it was very much past the time of uh, giallos and things like that. And this one claims to be, but we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, directed by Alberto DiMartino. And he's, well, I know him from directing the film The Antichrist. They came out in the early 70s. is pretty much a, um, kind of like a exorcist ripoff type deal. But still a really cool film. And I recently reviewed another film that he did uh, called Bloodlink. Uh, just a few episodes ago, I believe I did. Uh, so yeah, this one right here is called Formula for a, for a Murder from 1985. Uh, yeah, uh, from Shameless Entertainment. Do you, do you think, Modes, sorry yeah. to cut you off, do nope. you think that if Making a Murder, if this film didn't exist, they would have called Making a Murder Formula for a Murder? Ah. That would be cool. <laughs> it's, it's a good <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah, I like the title, actually. It's pretty cool. Formula for a Murder, starring, of course, uh, who's in this film here? We got uh, David Warbeck, of course. He's from... Lots of films. I mean, the beyond stuff like that. Uh, basically what this one, it, it starts out, it kind of gives you this backstory of your main character, uh, Joanna, I think is her name. Um, what happens in the beginning of the film, she has this unfortunate encounter with somebody and she has a pretty freak accident. She falls down the stairs and she gets crippled. And, uh, it's kind of cool actually. Like when it, the, the opening scene in the film is pretty cool. Um, and then you see this kind of doll kind of roll down these stairs and then it, jumps into the present so now she is our main character she's crippled and she's pretty rich and stuff in steps david warbeck he is a he's like a trainer or some something like that she's training to be like a uh, world-class like archer <clears throat> and stuff since he's her trainer uh they fall in love they get married and stuff but then it's revealed right away that he's only marrying her so that he can kill her and uh you know take her money essentially <laughs> so uh, and this is, it's not a spoiler because it's actually revealed like really, really early in the film. And so that's basically your, your setup to the film right there. Um, now my thoughts on this film, this one right here is actually kind of a confusing film because it's sold to you as a giallo. Now we know what a giallo is. You know, it, it does have certain elements of a giallo, especially in the beginning of the film. You have this, this, assailant all dressed in black you know black gloves and stuff he kills this priest and you know you never see his face and things like that it starts out very much like a giallo but then you learn very quickly who the killer is it's revealed right in the main kind of plot of the film and you're just like what the fuck that's that's so crazy see i wasn't thinking it was going that way considering the shameless cover has the killer right on the cover of the film you know, the face is right there and stuff. So this film is very confusing because it starts out as a giallo. 
uh, it reveals who it is right away and it just turns into a slasher film and you know who the killer is like throughout the whole film it does it tries to pretend that it hasn't revealed who the killer is though it, it's kind of ridiculous how it is um basically joanna has all these nasty flashbacks of of the time that she had this accent or this person that you know made her have this accent when she was when she was a kid um so she starts seeing like these you know these really demonic bloody dolls and things like that and uh but the script is so poorly written that you know who's doing this and you know who is doing all this killing and stuff like that because they've they've basically told you and they've shown the face and i'm just like holy fuck like the script is just a bonafide mess it's just crazy so basically what happens is when you learn this you know half an hour to the film who the killer is um there's no mystery at all. It turns from a giallo into a straight slasher film. There's no mystery. And all it is is just body count now. It's just body count. You're just hoping that the kills are going to get pretty good. And there's not really a lot of twists and turns in this at all. It's just it's just a very, very silly script. It just kind of ruined the whole idea of what this killer or what this film could have been. And it's just kind of ridiculous. But there is some cool parts in it. There's some decent kills. I think there's a lot of really cool scenes with the bloodied up doll. I like films even though they're in kind of dream sequences all the time. And that's one thing this film has a lot of his dream sequences because of course she has to be seeing things and, you know, but, and it's one of those films too, where you're like, okay, now she's definitely sleeping in this one. And this one right here is happening right now because this guy's doing it. Oh my God, Jesus Christ, man. You know, these are the type of movies I'm just, I just shake my head at. I still kind of enjoyed it though, to be honest, even though it was just really just such a mess of a script. I haven't seen a movie like this in such a long time. It's pretty bad. Um, the music was actually pretty cool too. There was even pieces that were ripped off from Fulci's New York Ripper in this. And I was like, okay, that's so Italian. You know, go and rip off some famous uh, score pieces from those type of movies. That's pretty awesome. Uh, the kills aren't the greatest in this one. They're okay. It's, it's a little bit bloody and stuff. And I was expecting, you know, once you figured out who the killer was halfway through the film that it was just going to go ape shit. Well, it doesn't really go ape shit. Um, there's like a few more kills and that's it. So it's kind of, it's kind of disappointing in that, but, as a whole, it actually wasn't too, too bad. At the end of the film, I was shaking my head and I'm like, you know, uh, there was whatever, but I'm still going to give this one a five out of 10 because it was still kind of entertaining, even though the script was a bona fide mess, absolute mess. Like I, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It was very disappointing. Giallo slasher. What does what it try to be? Don't know. Game set match. <laughs> yeah um I, I i i will never watch giallos unless they get your stamp of approval because i just don't i like i feel like i the ones that aren't good i just i don't want to be part of dude it's just so funny that this movie starts out like very typical giallo you no know, it has that cool scene and you're like okay and then 10 minutes later it shows you who the killer was and it's just not even a mystery anymore I'm like, that's not the point of a gel. How can they sell this as a gel? I don't know what Shameless was thinking by putting the killer read on the cover and showing his face. Like, I'm just like, what the fuck, man? It, it, the storyline tells you who the killer is. Yeah. Like, it's just so ridiculously done. It's a terrible storyline, but kind of entertaining though. Pretty entertaining, but. Have you seen yeah. that one called like Francesca that's coming out? No, but I've been, I've been anticipating this film for a while. I think. I think we might have talked about the film maybe sometime last year on a podcast or something. It was announced by Unearth or whatever. And, um, yeah, it just sounds awesome. I can't wait to see it. I yeah. Really can't I, see I it, th- should have a copy coming in. Really? You're getting a copy of that? Yeah. 
man, it's crazy, man. I fucking on the MBD uh, list too and stuff. And you know, I request it. I get the odd thing here and there, but um, I did request that one. And I don't think he got back to me, so I'll probably not get him. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed probably, up, man. Probably not get him, man. It's, it's fucking shitty. So I don't know, man. I don't know. But it would be nice, man. Hopefully you get the three disc one too, because that thing sells for like thirty bucks. So that'd be pretty cool, man. Pretty cool stuff. All right, well, we'll see. Yeah, man. I'm really looking forward to that one actually. I'm a big fan of Unearth films. They've released some pretty fucking cool indie films, so I'm not sure if I have any from Unearth. If you looked hard enough, you might. You might probably probably at least have one. I, did you? Oh, you didn't pick up Sheepskin from this year, did you? Mm-mm. But that cover was cool. Yeah, it's actually a really cool film. But Unearth released that. Um, so yeah, that is uh, going to conclude what we watch. I believe we only got two. Yes, yes, y'all. All right. So moving into the featured review of the show, and uh, what did we say? It's from Art Exploitation Films from 2015. Got its uh, official sort of wide release in 2016, so it would be eligible had it has its scores high enough on uh, top tens of 2016 lists. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, our exploitation, man, you know, I don't know. Recently, man, they've been kind of, just with the last few releases, very kind of handmade. I mean, the films have been decent, but just not as good as, like, the earlier ones. Are you kind of finding that? Yeah, I mean, well, you had Fever, which... You liked, I didn't like. And then you had The Perfect Husband, which I liked, you didn't like. I just didn't like it as much as you. I did like it, but it was the the fact that the predictability of that film kind of kind of hurt it for me. And this is their third one from the second set. The third set. That well, if you count the film rise, the fourth set. <laughs> now, this film right here, Observance, um, I was very intrigued because it's an Australian film. And I love, I love my Australian, my exploitation films. I'm a really big fan. Um, so yeah, I was like, damn, finally, yeah. I, I think this is the first Australian film that they released. So I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll get into the, uh, the synopsis of this one. I'll just read this storyline. I think it's, I think it's not giving anything away. Sometimes I, I got to start reading over these IMDb synopsis because some of them are like not very good. <laughs> You know, or they're giving spoilers to some shit, so. Anyways, in the grip of grief following the death of his young son, his marriage on the rocks, and nearing bankruptcy, Parker reluctantly returns to work as a private investigator, embarking on an unusual assignment to observe a woman from an abandoned apartment. Parker witnesses bizarre happenings surrounding her, unaware that the dialect building that he surveys her from uh, has birthed a dark presence which show, which slowly threatens to consume him. Jesus. Yeah, that's so that's just, a pretty good description. Actually, I mean, that is pretty good. That is pretty yeah. good. Because even the death of his young son and the marriage on the rocks, like... Like, the description, com- like, directly says that. Like, it's not even really directly said in the film, I don't well, think. Actually, it's interesting that they put that in the description because that was one thing that we were talking about pregame um, about what I was kind of leading into the end of the film is that it's very it's very subtle in the film how they tell you this. It's about halfway through the film and then you they kind of give you this where he has a brief conversation on a phone and then you're like, oh, okay. You know, it's it's very subtle on how they tell you all that information in about two seconds. Yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot of this film, like this whole film, one word review is subtle. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very very subtle film. It's one of those things you just watch and just kind of keep your eyes open and and so, uh, 
the first thing that uh, I would like to express is I've always been a fan of like voyeuristic, like Disturbia rear window style films. Oh, rear like, window is one of my favorite movies. It's one of my, it's right up there for my favorite Hitchcock film besides like Psycho and stuff. I love it. There's something fun to me about spending time with a character who's doing nothing but like living day to day and spying on his neighbor. Like that's, it's so interesting to me. You know, one thing I like about this film is that they didn't even kind of, they didn't really build up the, um, you know, the, the, almost the tension of it and, you know, the creep factor in the film. Right from the opening scene in this film, uh, which is really cool, man, that, that kind of rolling black and white shot of like the water and cliffs and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Very artsy, very artsy. It kind of ties in with the later stuff, but you know, as he gets into the apartment, and he starts watching this girl and stuff. It's just, it's got this really kind of dark, ambient, amazing score. And it just creates this atmosphere right from the start. It, it doesn't even build that up. It's just like he's already in the mix of something. And also, I like that. What creates the atmosphere along with the score is the setting in which the yeah. apartment that he's in with like newspaper taped to the walls and yep. just gross looking, honestly. <laughs> like, like that sets the atmosphere too. See, one cool thing about this film I really enjoyed, man, the first words you hear in the film are about 12 minutes into it. And I think, well, this whole film doesn't really have a lot of dialogue. Not a lot at all. But it's so, it, it's just perfect that it that's, doesn't have a lot of dialogue because I tell you, that very, uh, it's it's almost like a very ambitious, dark, ambient score that just kind of drives the forces in this film. It's so noticeable and present that you kind of get engulfed in the film. And it, I think it just makes everything so much more subtle. And you know what, it's, it almost, you know what it, else about the so dialogue, weird. the specific mention of that there's not a lot of dialogue in the film? That is also a creative choice because – and you know this is the stuff that I always talk about on <clears throat> the, the low-budget indie films are I, missing the point of. I like and it's about creativity in terms of when you don't have the dialogue – it adds to the story of loneliness and it sets the tone even more that this guy is doing this by himself because yeah. he's not talking to anybody. Yeah. And it it makes him feel more isolated by the fact that there's very little dialogue. And when there is, it's through a phone call, which yeah. makes – which also suggests or you know hammers in the facts, cements the fact that the person he's talking to is not near him because yeah. it's through telephone. <clears throat> Like that's the type of stuff that I always say is well, like that's filmmaking. That's good that, filmmaking. Exactly. This filmmaker totally got the point of what he was doing. You know, the, that phone call, it just, it really shows you how distant he is. You know, I, I absolutely, I just love so brief too, which it even is. adds to the point that like any little bit of, uh, well, it's also human because life is brief. It is man. It, it shows you how distant it is, but it, it shows you that, you know, he's obviously just there, you know, technically to do a job and stuff but he's just checking in it's so brief that it's like you can't even you can't even get any satisfaction out of that conversation whatsoever and it's just yeah. like back to the grind and it's all you know, business <laughs> it's all business it's all business it's it's kind of it's kind of psychological too right Yeah, it's like prison like this guy's yeah. in in prison essentially and his sentence is five or three days or whatever <laughs> and then it turns into seven days yeah. And I do like the way they did this film too, because they, they base it over like a seven day period. And originally his job, he was only supposed to be there for about two or three days, I think, or something like that. Yep. And, uh, so he was, you know, after two or three days and, uh, he gets a call and he says, well, the employer, cause he's talking to the middleman says, well, 
you know, he wants, he wants more information. Can you stick around for, till the end of the week, which is like the next three or four days? And of course he says no at first because he's starting to, he's starting to see things at this point and he's starting to get a little loopy and he's lonely and things just aren't working out. He, you can tell way. that he's just generally uncomfortable. Like, he's very uncomfortable. And he, he's starting to get a little paranoid because he's starting to think that something's wrong. Yeah, because but he, does he doesn't know, what, know what the fuck he's doing. Like he, like am I, yeah. like you would think, like as a private investigator, this guy probably gets calls to to check yeah. and see if her his, someone's well, wife is cheating on him or something like I that. Love, but he I doesn't love know why he he's doing this. I love the way they explained it too. It's like because he's watching this girl and he's like, "Well, there's this guy in the mix." He's like, "Am I supposed to be watching this guy too?" And they're just like, "Just report." Yeah, and it's, it's like, like simple <laughs> answer, and it's like you're like, "Oh, fuck, crazy." So, so he agrees to stay on to the end of the week, even though it's kind of against his will because he's just not liking this. He feels something's terribly wrong. Um, he decides, or they agree on an extra 15,000 to stay to the end of the week. And uh, that's when the shit kind of just starts going crazy in the film. He starts seeing things and he's not really sure of what's happening. He's getting very, very sick. Yeah. You know, he, there's a scene in the film where he's literally puking up black stuff and it's just like that was one of the i I, when watching that scene i was like i never seen a scene like that that was pretty cool like i couldn't remember like a throw up that was like that like disgusting but it was like also just like eerie because you're like what the fuck is this like it's scary because you're like what the fuck is this (laughs) like he's literally like puking up his stomach there was like pieces coming out of his mouth it was nasty it was just like so so the way they do this film is you know, it really does show you um, the days. It breaks it down into days. So it's like day one and then it has a few things that happens and it's like day two and then day three. He develops um, a gnarly looking rash, which by the way, <clears throat> by the way, is looks really good. It has like a yellow infected color to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, those are always gross. Yeah. That yellow infected look is disgusting, but. Yeah, and, it, and he wears a tank top. <clears throat> And it le- like you can see it like leaking through his shirt as like when there's shots of his back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just always so, there and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, so that when he has that conversation with uh, with his employer, or whatever that was um, beginning of the day three, and then and then I think you hit about like the 35, 40 minute mark in the film, and then everything just kind of turns crazy. And it's, you know, it, it turns very psychological, you know, for the viewer, um, like, okay, what's going on here? And yeah, he's just, he's having a really rough time. That's basically all he can kind of say with that. Um, I don't know, man, your overall thoughts on, or your thoughts on what's next? You know, I mean, this one, I think develops very, very nicely. Yeah, I really it, it does the- develop nicely, and like we said, it's so subtle that <clears throat> it, by the end of the film, you could sort of a lot of people could be like, "What the fuck was this? The movie sucked. Like, what? Like, the, it had no point." But it, it really did. Like, there's an answer <clears throat> to questions. At least I believe there is, and you know, it's it's very just suggested. It's it's not directly in your face. I mean, there are things that if you really think about it, you're like, oh, like it all makes sense now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and it, all like, it does is certain things you're seeing. It, it's literally like the, the the ending to this film is literally one of those things where you go, you could either go, what the fuck? Or you just kind of sit there and think about it for a second, dig deeper in your psyche and you go, well, here's the resolution. Yeah. This is exactly what it was, you know, but it's, I like this film on all levels because Man, I I think it was a good choice putting in those days because you get a feel for just that short period of time that he was in this apartment, you know, those seven days on how much he went through 
And then and you I really, honestly but, like or the tension is building like when you like, you know, mm, like it's close it to the end. You're like, you're like, oh, I got it's two more days, man. Like, yeah. like he yeah. might be able to make it out of this. Like it actually was effective in, in terms of tension. Major. And there's, you know, there's this some, is good. It, it's a really slow burn film, mm-hmm. but it's designed like that. And if you're kind of in and out of watching this film, you're probably either going to miss some of the major key subtle moments in this one uh-huh. or you're just you're going to be like, that was fucking stupid. So this is one you really have to kind of pay attention to because, like we said, the main key word here is subtle. Everything is subtle and it's – in my opinion, it's really well executed. And, you know, by the end of the film, you're just like, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I like having that feeling. That, there's actually some scares in this movie too. Like there's one scene where – because Woody, he has surveillance on this girl and he also manages yeah. to place um, audio – in in her building which by the way is an intense scene yeah, which when, is a funny when, scene actually yeah it's it's you know it's kind of reminded me a lot of um that film that we covered it was the spanish film that brandon sent us uh, i uh, dark sky released it you remember what i'm talking about it made oh, our hall yeah. of fame yeah um <laughs> <laughs> of course it did we can't even remember the fucking title right now yeah. uh it was um, called sleep tight yeah, that, and yeah, th- there's it reminded me of that scene where the guys like snuck into the girl's apartment and like she's walking around and he like is trying to get out <laughs> yeah and the, but there's a scene that's actually scary and it like one of the audio clips that he recovered over there it's just like static audio, but then there's something on the audio, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like that was kind of scary. Did you? Did you? Did you? Did that scare you at all? Like, well, it was it was the way they did it too, because again, that ambient score was playing, and it was just like, and all of a sudden it was like, "Get out!" And I was like, "What?" And then he even rewinds it too, <laughs> and I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like, oh, yeah, it's crazy, man. Man, creepy. But yeah, a lot, but a lot of good imagery in this one, and you know, I think you know, I think with some people. They might kind of watch this film and, you know, there's a lot of, there is some dream sequences in this film or more or less dreams or it depends on how you want to interpret it really. But dream sequences and, you know, almost very artsy scenes where, you know, he's on this uh, rocky shoreline and stuff. And I, I love that scene. I don't want to give away the whole scene, but he's with someone else and it just kind of kind of goes back and forth between this character. Um, that was a really, really effective oh, yeah, and creepy that, I scene. That. Yeah, it I thought good. it was real, but the main, the one thing I loved about that scene is just, you know, generally when you watch films and there's a lot of dream sequences, what is the first thing that someone does when they, when they wake up? Uh, rub their eyes and be like, oh shit. Like, no, they, they, they usually kind of, they usually kind of sit up really fast and jump up and. You know, it's like, oh, they kind of yeah, let yeah. the viewer know completely oh, that was a dream. And yeah. that's kind of what that that moment is. Right. It's like oh, that was a dream. But I love, love, love the way they executed the scene is that he's having this really gnarly, very artsy type scenery type, you know, thing, which does make sense, actually, if you think back in the film. And uh, when he wakes up, what does he do? What does he do? He doesn't even fucking move. He just opens his eyes. Which is what most people do. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like some people, when you're having a nightmare, they, you know, in the movies, they kind of accentuate it. They, you know, you sit up and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I like it that they didn't do it. It was so, but it goes along with the film because the director knew exactly what he was doing. He was keeping everything subtle. He didn't make a big point of it. He just kind of opened his eyes and was just like, shit, man. Just kind of looks around the room, like, you know, very briefly and it cuts the next scene. Mm-hmm. It was subtle in itself, but it was scary. Yeah. You know, because he's like, what the fuck? Am, what's happening? Like, because this is right in the middle of him 
not really knowing what is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and he's having all these crazy dreams and it, it's, it's, it's very, very subtle and it's cool. And I think it works. It's very haunting. It's cool. And it adds so much to when you kind of have to think about the ending. I think it's cool. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I will say, you know, kind of winding it down here, uh, the, I, I think it's no question that Mia Moods are pretty, pretty high on this one. Uh, or exploitation does, uh, has a nice little rebound with some, you know, maybe some mediocre films some might consider with the first two releases of this batch, but it seems like they bounce back pretty good with observance. One thing that I will say though, Moods, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of the press stuff that came out for this film because, uh, some of the like images that came out was, for example, the image of the little boy with the black leaking out of his eyes and mouth. And yeah. I was just like, it made it seem like it was a ghostly or something. I don't know. Like, I was like, this film, I think this film was like marketed slightly wrong. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, actually. Yeah, like, I, I, I mean, I, I think that now, I, now thinking back, but just based on the images I, I've seen for the film, I kind of forgot about it to be honest. And then, yeah, I mean, I can see how you would totally misinterpret that. Yeah, or I've how people that's anybody, such a small little fraction of the movie anyway. You know, well, that's it. again. It's it's. I know. I don't know why they would ever show imagery of that, yeah. because that's it that's looks very, creepy. That's why. Because it's, it's part of the very subtle storyline. That's what's yeah. going on, and that's that's yeah. That's kind of stupid that they would show that. Really thinking back on that, so I mean, it's your typical like like image that 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 is attractive to the eye. You know, it gets you intrigued. But I just feel like the people that the type of people that would watch this film for that reason are going to be disappointed because it's not that type of movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I like this movie. Obviously I think you did too. Yeah, it was good, man. Um, it was, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't expecting, I don't know what I was expecting. I was, I mean, right from the opening shot, I, I was like, wow, this is going to be kind of an artsy type film and stuff. And, which I mean, is you good get, for art exploitation. Like they yeah. do a lot of like yeah. some of the better ones that we've liked have been artsy, right? I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I was expecting a little more of yeah, um, not like a full blown ghostly like you know Juwan or something like that. But you know, come to think of it, I was expecting something a little different too. Which is good though, because in my opinion, this film was very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought well, it was it's going- kind of an odd thing because at first I was expecting it to be like a thriller, but there's there's like more like um cult like and like horror vibes to it then like i just thought it was going to be like a you know like some of the films they released like the child molester one the treatment and uh the the one where they uh kidnapped a girl like i thought it was going to be more along the lines of one of those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it, it was it's actually more of a horror movie <laughs> yeah. definitely definitely yeah this one was uh you know, I mean, obviously it was entertaining, but, you know, I just, I like the, I love when these slow burn films totally pay off. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so satisfying to me. It's well, so satisfying. Actually, what I would suggest here is that we get into some ratings and if you wanted to, we could kind of wrap up the show. And then for anybody who's seen this film and wants to stick around, we can go into what we thought about the ending. If you, if you would like do one of the spoiler things that we, that we uh, did for Cemetery Man. Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, this film, I thought that it was really haunting. It's a slow burn, very solid movie. I just, you know, got to pay attention to it. But those are the films that I like. Like, I like the ones that you have to pay attention to. And uh, there's very subtle things that sort of 
uh, reveal more about the story without really revealing more about the story. Like it's, 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 you know, hidden still. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, the acting was good. Like it's a, it's a great shot movie. The score is good. Like it's a solid watch for sure. I give it an eight out of 10. Um, (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's funny. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I love, I'm a big fan. Like I've said many, many times, slow burn films, but I love films with great imagery. Uh, really, really good camera work. Uh, cinematography was fantastic in this film. It was one thing that I was just really blown away with because I, this guy hasn't really done a whole lot. Um, I will, I will say one thing that did bug me about this film. Um, just to kind of justify my rating too, but, uh, one thing that really kind of got to me in this film and this has happened many, many times in, in Australian cinema. I don't know why they always do this, but it's like Australian directors are afraid to say that they're from Australia, you know, and this was a great example of a film that I figured that he was maybe a little bit scared to, to have his main actor just use his normal accent. He's an Australian actor, but he's doing an American accent and it kind of bugged me. It kind of bugged me. And I'm just like, why don't you just, you know, just don't don't worry about it. You're you're Australian. Just make your exploitation. You make your make your fucking movies. And like, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is with with I don't Australian know. I mean, films. I mean, sometimes like Australian films like don't appeal to um, Americans. Like that's well, that's if, if you're thing, trying but... to make as much of an impact with your film and get it to as many people. Sometimes it's bad to have accents. It's well, I mean, I understand that, but facts. I mean, but I mean that, see, that works for you. But like for me, I just, I want them to be proud of where they're from and just, I mean, cause be the proud of where you're from, the main still. actor is Australian. Like he's playing in America. He's basically playing an American, right? I'm just like, I don't know, man. It's just a little bit of a quirk on just a minor little gripe on the film. But I mean, I've seen it so many times in Australian films. It happens quite often. Um, I mean, even you take road games, for instance. I mean, the main characters are Stacey Keach and, uh, um, uh, what's um, Jamie Lee Curtis? Jesus Christ, and they're American, right? So, I mean, it is what it is. But Didn't uh, Italians do this all the time. Use an American actor? Well, they, no, they usually fucking they have Italian actors and they dub them over. Yeah, and, which is even way worse. Oh no, it totally is. But it's just, it's I don't know. You give, it's, films, it's, you give those it's films a pass. It's it's different. I, I don't want to get into why that's different, but anyways, um. Yeah, but man, one one thing I just the subtlety of this film was just outstanding to me. I loved it. The score worked perfectly. The director knew exactly what he wanted. Um I like the way this story develops and the way he kind of just hides things, you know. That's really good. I think the score is one of the main things in this film. It's just so haunting right from the beginning. Works perfect, man. Um, and I, I, I love the way this film, it doesn't really prepare you for what you're about to see in the end of the film. I think it's a little bit shocking to be honest, uh, which, which I like because ultimately it wasn't, there was no predictability for me at all. I thought it was going in one completely different direction and it, I didn't get that. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's totally yeah. cool. So, uh, but I like that. I, I big props, you know, for doing something like that. And you know, it's cool, man. Um, so, and I also give this film eight out of 10. So sweet. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, uh, that is going to do it for episode number 86 of the yeah. Shots of Moods and Horror. Those who want to hear some spoilers, stick around. Uh, if you guys would be so kind, rate us on iTunes. Uh, I know that we recently had a rating uh, from France, but I don't know if I can see it. I haven't looked yet. 
uh, you know, because uh, sometimes I think we discovered that ratings from different regions won't pop up in the region that you are in looking at the ratings. Uh, so it's very possible that uh, we can't see it, but uh, definitely, definitely thanks for rating us. That always helps the show. And like I said many, many times, if you rate us, then any time we do a contest, you will automatically be entered in every contest we, we do. And that was Charlene who, who rated us. Uh, thank you, Charlene. Also, you can follow us on uh, 22shotsofmoodsandhorror.com. Been posting a lot of news on there lately. The ratings are completely updated minus last episode's uh, update. So you can check that out. Hall of Fame's all updated. Hall of Pain's all updated. And uh, horrorfeelid.com. Thank you to Jason Lloyd for always uh, not only posting our show, but uh, always helping me with different things and different questions that I have. Uh, very, very just super nice guy and i actually been getting my input on other shows and stuff to bring on the network which i really am honored to be part of that and uh you can definitely be our part of our journey to 6000 and 2000 subscribers by subscribing to both me and moods on youtube which is mood 616 and double shot j as mm-hmm. well as uh, send us an email at 22shotsofmoodsandhorror at gmail.com or 22shotshorror at gmail.com. Uh, I don't know if, Moods, you have an email address <laughs> or anything that you want. I got, I got, I got lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, voicemails, 724-426-6665. Again, that's 724-426-6665. And by the way, we did have one this week, but uh, we're going to sit on it a little bit because it was a top fiver, and we want to take some time to actually perfect our little top five list. So uh, we'll play that one the next time we record. That is right. Yeah. As for our next show, we're not 100% sure what it's going to be, but I believe that it might be the top 10 of 1996, so in which case that voicemail would be it, played on the episode after that. <laughs> so when was the top, thousand, the top thousand? When was the top 10 2002 show? What episode was it? Uh, that episode was episode number... Seventy. Uh, it was number seventy-four. Seventy-four. So, and this is eighty-five. So it's been eleven episodes. Yeah. So that's how long that show's been in prep for. <laughs> yeah, and even longer considering we took a massive break. Yeah, we, exactly. we, realistically, we probably would be at about episode like ninety or ninety-two or even. Yeah, I, we'd be in the early nineties right now for sure. Yeah. Probably we probably missed a good five or six episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you guys can always find us in all the cool places. Uh, is there anything that I left out? Twitter, 22 Shots Podcast, which follow us on there. We get a lot of followers, like, here and there, you know, so that's pretty cool. We do. We do. And um, as always, like, just just keep supporting us. Leave us comments, please. Like, those are that's, that's like, my favorite thing is the comments. And yeah, the I get, comments I get are really butt hurt when I don't see comments. I'm like, what the fuck? That must have <laughs> yeah, been a man. sucky episode. <laughs> what was it? Episode 84. I think you uploaded. No, it was 84. 83. Uploaded on my channel for me. And you're like, the fuck? There's no fucking comments. Yeah, I like <laughs> felt like they knew I uploaded or something. Like, <laughs> this isn't a Mood 616 production. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, so, they probably they probably did know something was wrong because you you labeled it different than I usually do. I did. I labeled it like like 
all of our other episodes on like different like horophilia and 22 shots.com and stuff yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah all right so yeah if you are still sticking around to hear well this is very odd we don't usually don't do spoilers but you know this isn't technically spoiling anything if uh well you obviously heard that uh that we waited till the end of the show anyways yeah we're not like those dicks that just throw out spoilers in the middle of reviews but yes for the people that have seen observance which is probably very few probably very few um (laughs) yeah um well i mean the ending can definitely be interpreted different ways i guess um but uh i don't know what's your interpretation of it or what do you think so at some point in the film, we learned that the girl's family is sort of big time players, like rich and famous. Or I don't know about famous, but like definitely like successful. And yeah, we also learned that uh, they were tied to some sort of scandal or something in the past. Mm-hmm. And what we're se- what I got is that we're seeing what we're seeing all these weird things that we're seeing happened to this guy or actually that you know at first they just seem like weird shit but like it all kind of leads to the fact that i believe that they're sort of marking him in a ritual to stay in power and success is that what you got huh that is actually not really not really (laughs) so what did you get not really. I actually took it the completely different route. See, I was thinking that there was something more more in depth with that girl and stuff like that, but I kind of took it for a little more face value. Um, cause I did think about it after and I was thinking of different things and I was like, well, cause there's so much subtle things in the film that you learn about him as, you know, as a, uh, a person and, and basically all the tragedies and, you know, the things that are going on in his life, right? You know, they do explain to you, you know, you know, he just lost his son, his marriage is failing. And on top of that, he's got a, he's got these crazy hospital bills, which he has led him into bankruptcy. And of course he's just mentally, he's totally exhausted. He's gone. He's lost. He's losing his mind type thing. So he has to go back to work and shit like that. So basically what happens here is that all these things are being conjured up while he's there. He's doing this. He's supposedly, you know, well, he's doing this job. And that's basically what's happening because it shows it shows certain things in the film where, you know, he has a little bit of conversation with his wife or whatever. And then he tries to kill himself. And, uh, you know, and then he right after that, things really go downhill for him. He's just you know, he's losing his mind completely. He's losing his mind completely. He's supposed to be doing this job, but then I think it turns into, you know, it's almost going to be like a satisfaction type deal for him. Now he's, he's so far gone mentally that maybe something like murder, uh, can almost, you know, kind of bring him out of it. But you know, when you get to that point, it doesn't really fucking matter anyways. That's just what you do. So yeah. So he eventually just completely fucking loses his mind um, because of all the, of all the shit that he's gone through. And, uh, this is just not making it better, you know, being stuck in this place. And I think it's just, it's just a matter of buildup and he snaps, he fucking completely snaps. And so, you know, because she comes over, she comes over and I like that scene because it's not threatening. It's not even threatening at all. 
and all of a sudden she's locked in there and it it's kind of a weird scene because you know she goes into the into the building and he's doing something fucking crazy with this bear head or some shit like that and no see but that's that was not like like the bear head is part of the the like ritual or whatever like the, there's all these satanic ritual things that are happening like did you notice he cuts himself when when he goes into the house yeah yeah. Okay, so that's part of the ritual, and I, I think I accidentally spoke wrong. I, not the girl's father, but her fiance's family is the rich, successful family, and she is part of the sacrifice as well. He is becoming, uh, I guess, like a pawn in the grandmaster plan, where he's becoming like influenced by the the demonic uh, rituals, and that's why he kills her. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good possibility, too. The only thing is that's is weird with that, though, too, is so who is who is the uh, middle? Who's the middleman? He's the he's like the the uh, the the family, I believe. So if he's the family, then then there's this really then there's. But how do we know that, though? Like, I mean, he could technically be anybody like it could be his employer it could be this person from the family. Well, um, because he would have a vested vested interest in keeping him there. Is, well, of is, course, of course. But then, if that is to it, then it's like we just have to assume that. It just seems well, a little. And I mean, because they, they have money, right? Because yeah. he's offering him money mm-hmm. to stay there, so that that leads to believe that that that's a lot of money. Like, who just has fifteen thousand dollars? Yeah, that's digging real deep. That's digging real deep. Yeah, I mean, definitely those things are there for well, sure. Because I just thought, I, like, everything that I was seeing was like. I just thought it was interesting because she's trying to get, you know, in the scene where she sees him and she's like, she fucking freaks out, runs down the stairs and all of a sudden it's locked, um, which kind of adds an element of, yeah, there's something a little more um, supernatural here, too. Uh, But then he just fucking I I, I don't know. I just kind of look back in the film and I just see the development of his character. I mean, I mean, maybe he is the target because he is such a broken uh, person right now. But yeah, then again, well, it does, but then uh, it does go back we, to mental. It goes, it goes to mental illness too, though, right? If you go through something so tragic, like losing everything in your life, and you you're kind of forced to go back to work because you know deep down that shit, man. The only way I can get through this is to get money, pay these bills, and then move on with my life. And then the way I took it was that he ultimately just could not deal with that grief, and you know the money, and he was like, "Hey, it's so much," and then things are just drastically getting out of out of place. And that's where the dream sequences came in too, and it was like. You know, there's death sequences with the little boy, of course, and uh, just other things. I mean, not all the sequences I can completely explain, you know, um, exactly what's going on with those. But I know they're related to his psyche and, you know, the what he's developing into and where he eventually loses touch with reality and ultimately takes out this person. You know, I mean, there's it's funny that we're on such different elements of this, but that's interesting. That's hmm. cool. That's really cool. I mean, I just just the way I look back in the film and the way they develop with his character. I wonder if there's be, a commentary on here. I don't know. That'd be interesting if there was. I would like to actually. I mean, yours yours makes sense too. I I, I guess there would be minor plot holes in there. The the reason why I with that think one, but yeah. the 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 reason why I don't think it's just losing his mind is because there's all these cult like things like the the of black course. liquid and the 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 rash and like the the uh bear head fuck like i mean yeah. like it's it's it seems like there there wouldn't be as much of that sort of and the cut of the finger like that has to mean something right like because they pointed mm-hmm. it out like so i don't yeah. know like like and and also the fact that 
like okay, I guess if he's losing his mind, well, the, like cu- he could, the, the cut place. of the finger though. I mean, and you know him ultimately getting sick. I mean, it could have shown that. I mean, it did make a very valid point of showing that cut finger, and then all of a sudden he gets sick. I mean, you would assume that maybe by chance, like he got some type of infection or something like well, that. Yeah, he actually that's, did get really that's fucking the, sick. Uh, that's yeah, like that, the reason that's the why idea. he think that that's the reason. But the, you gotta look at it this way: that's the reason the character isn't tripping about like all this like throwing up and an infection mm-hmm. back thing because he probably thinks that like they don't say that in the film but that's what oh, I exactly i was like mm-hmm. i would have ran to the fucking hospital if i had that shit on my back or whatever but like you, you but know. he was also bound by the money though too because yeah, you know yeah, he's, he's so. having these huge you know he's got fifteen thousand dollars coming if he can stay there for the next three days and he knows that this could be his only chance to kind of resurrect himself and get out of this bind you know if you pay your bills and get yourself out of bankruptcy yeah you're still going to grieve with the loss of your your marriage and your son and stuff like that but ultimately you have to move on eventually and i think that's kind of where it was pointed at it's like man the only thing keeping him there is that fucking money because he even he kind of bars with barters with him too he's like yeah you can do it for 10 grand he's like what about 15 he's like i would have probably stayed there for for 15 grand yeah (laughs) like i mean it, it isn't it's very interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious what other people think. Yeah, totally, man. I think I think you made some really valid points. I think I do figure, like I said, I think there is minor plot holes that would develop from that a little bit. But at the same time, there is imagery that's there, and there's things that there too. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That that was my interpretation of it, anyways. So, yeah, uh, like I do think that it like. I think my interpret your interpretation is more of like, like the logical, like almost like Fight Clubby style ending where it's like all in his head, and mine is literal with with uh, voodoo, mm-hmm. like voodoo. Like, see the 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 thing that really kind of separates the two right there is the scene at the end of the film where she is trying to escape. Yeah, you know, well, why wouldn't she? She doesn't want to die. Well, of course, but I mean, if she is somehow involved with this type no, no, of thing, no, 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 she is the fiance that got her get that guy. It's his family, so she is is not part of the. She's not part of it. They have to sacrifice his fiance to be in order to maintain the next generation of power or whatever. Because it's suggested oh, that's what that they've done this okay. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's not in on it. Okay, but and he's, yeah, yeah. And, I get what you're saying. I get and, what you're saying. And, yeah. And then, but yeah, but then it goes back to that weird ass scene where that dude, he says to our main character and he's like, he's like, man, you got to get out of here. You got to leave. Yeah. Because I don't think he wants his wife to be his fiance to be murdered. Like, like, I think he's trying to intervene a bit. You know what I mean? Because he like loves her and stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, totally. hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, I, I, I kind of interpret like that too, where, you know, that could be him, you know, just really, you know, like when you're fucking losing your mind and sometimes you see things that you and hear things that you want to hear and see. Yeah. You know, in a sense like that, right? He's like, he comes in contact with somebody. He's like, man, you, you got to get out of here. And it's more of his subconscious saying to him, you know, like, dude, you huh. literally got to get the fuck out of here because you are. Yeah, that would make sense. Major too. Shit. <laughs> you know, it's like that. I mean, I guess I just watch it like we just watch it in two different ways. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm very interested to hear other people's thoughts on this. So interesting, but it makes the film so much. It, it's cool, man. It's cool. Hmm. 
see, I mean, I personally think it's, you know, oddly enough about mental, you know, mental behavior and I almost want to pop in the commentary just to see if the, he actually explains if there is. A I mean, commentary. I don't know if there is. Yeah, I mental. But I mean, it'd be interesting because I actually reviewed another film tonight about mental illness. <laughs> just kind of fucked up. Yeah, I mean, either way, I think our ratings are still positive. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. For sure. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's, that's it, man. That's episode 80, 85. No. Is it? No, that is not 85. That is 86. Is it? <laughs> 86. Dude, I don't even know what episode we're on. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah I'm going to ask you, I'm, I'm going to ask you for, the, I'm going to ask you again to recap the, uh, the synopsis on the, uh, Expendables horror film. <laughs> 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 I shouldn't have diverted my attention to this, uh, <laughs> No, it is eighty five. It, no, it is eighty five. It's eighty six, dude. No, it is eighty six. Westerns fuck. was eighty five. You know, all the same shit, man. <laughs> no, it's not. You're right. It is. You know, because I wrote it down wrong on all my ratings. I have it as a episode eighty six, and at the top I have or eighty five, and then on the top I have it eighty six. I'm just not very good tonight, man. But uh, yeah, guys, that is going to conclude. Hope you guys uh, like the episode and uh, leave comments. Holla back into some players. <laughs>